was saying maybe I'll lock out at the later stage. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Uh, due to the fact that um, Ms. Martinese has challenges of e-network, e e we won't flight in the agenda, but uh, as we all know that this meeting was adjourned uh, previously when they were presenting because we didn't have the document, we'll then ask uh, Ms. Pumelele to present. Uh, we must start from the beginning. Over to you. <clears throat> Greetings, Chairperson and the members and everybody on the platform. Thank you for the directive, Chairperson. We will do exactly as you indicate. May I request maybe if Shuab can assist me put up the document that was sent to the members just to be sure that we are dealing with the same document um, and the members are looking at also the same one. Uh, Chairperson, uh, while I am waiting on that, I'll definitely start from the beginning. Maybe just to preface my presentation, we are still on National Assembly Rule 286, 4 and 6, Chairperson, where the committee is deliberating and is now taking the proposed amendments for their consideration as after the deliberations and the guidance of the matters that were raised by the public and by the members themselves, and also the responses that were made by the department. We will start with the proposed A-list, Chaperson, from the start, and the first part is the clause one on definitions. I still on my side don't see the, the document, Chaperson. Ms. Gemma, you, you have been given the sharing rights. You can share from your side. Let me try. Am I audible and the document clear, Chairperson? Yes, it is. You can just close the navigation. Yes, you can just close the navigation on the left-hand side. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, as I said, Chaperson, we start with clause one. Clause one, Chaperson, is on the definitions, and because I'm unable to do the double window, I will just go through the provisions as they appear in the earliest. However, I will try and explain as much as possible in light of each clause and the bill itself. On clause one, Chaperson, moving straight, we are only dealing with the proposals that are sort of finding way into the into the amendments that the introduced bill had brought in. Jefferson, the first one on clause one is the definition of claimant. What we are proposing as this is the this is the work that has been done both by myself, the state law advisor, as well as the involvement of the departmental advisors and the councils that uh, uh, have been utilized since the beginning of this process. Claimant will therefore mean a person who has lodged a claim 
or made a counter offer for compensation. This is in light of the processes that the councils did explain that through the three-pronged um, investigatory process and notices, as well as getting to the decision about expropriation. This is to make sure that it is clear when the content of the bill speaks about the, the claimant as to who that person is meant. And as we will see further on, there is a, provide, there is a, a provision where we are suggesting that a counter-offer process should take place when there are negotiations and discussions on compensation. On number two, Chairperson, it is the definition in respect of a court. Um, the members would recall that there was an issue raised with respect to the land court bill, as well as the utilization of magistrate courts, and there were explanations that were made. Thus, after all that, this is the definition we are presenting. A court means a division of the high court, or a court of similar status within whose area of jurisdiction A, the, the immovable property in question is, situ is situated, B, the movable property in question is situated at the time the expropriating authority implements section 5 or 22, and C, it will mean the, 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 the division of the high court or a court of similar status within whose area of jurisdiction the owner of the movable or intangible property in question resides or has its principal place of business. This is suggested to cater for all the concerns that were raised, Chairperson. And then furthermore, we, we, we felt that with the process suggested, there might be confusions and there is no point in defining the date of expropriation as the introduced bill did. Therefore, we are of the view that the date of expropriation should be, definition should be removed on, on the bill, but the content will speak for itself. Furthermore, Jefferson, you will recall the deliberations on the definition of deliver. We've therefore thought through it and present the following definition. Deliver means in relation to any document, it will include delivery by hand, post, regist registered post, and by electronic communications as defined in section one of the Electronic Communications and Transactions Act 2002. It is Act number 25 of 2002. On number five, Chairperson, we are also suggesting the definition of department that it be substituted to look as follows. Department means the department responsible for public works and infrastructure. This will ensure, Chairperson, that even when there are changes at the prerogative of the president, the portfolio at least that is related to the function of expropriating remains clear and whenever there are movements within the portfolios and the names, as I've indicated at least, it is still clear who's responsible and who is referred to in regards to using the word department. And then Jefferson, in respect of disputing party, we are presenting this definition. It means an owner, a mortgagee, a holder of a right, including an owner and holder of the rights contemplated in section 22. Expropriated owner 
or expropriated holder who rejects the expropriating authority's offer of compensation or whose counter offer the expropriating authority rejects. This is done also, Chairperson, in light of all the changes that have consequentially been proposed in light of what was presented and the legal opinions that the committee has had. Furthermore, Chairperson, in light of the content changes, we felt that then it's unnecessary to define expropriated holder and hence number seven is proposing that such a definition be removed on the introduced bill and the B version if agreed to by the members. All those that are indicated as to be omitted will be definitions that won't be part of the amended bill. On page five, Jefferson, we deal with the definition of expropriating authority. It means an organ of state or person empowered by this act or any other legislation to expropriate property or to bring about the compulsory acquisition of property contemplated in section 2.4 of the bill for a public purpose or in the public interest. This chairperson will ensure that there are no confusions and ambiguities as the members had noted during their questioning and deliberations. It also ensures that only legislation must have empowered or conferred such um, the power to expropriate. Hence, we have added that part or any other legislation uh, enabling the expropriation and granting the power. And in light of the changes, Chairperson done, expropriation will also have to mean Expropriation means the compulsory acquisition of property for a public purpose or in the public interest by an expropriating authority or an organ of state upon request to an expropriating authority. And expropriate will then have a corresponding meaning wherever it is used. On the holder of a rights chairperson, we felt that this proposal will suffice it means the holder of an unregistered right in property, but excludes an unregistered owner. The members would recall that the councils did explain that under the common law and the constitution defining what property is, we do already know that in law, what owner means. And there are properties that do not necessarily require that they be registered. And then people may still have ownership of those properties. And this definition of holder of a right is attempting to bring clarity should there be any ambiguities and confusion in light of how the bill is drafted and what it seeks to achieve. Then Jefferson, because we also have a provision that speaks to the master, the master of high court um, is defined um, as the master, meaning the master of the high court for the division within with the necessary jurisdiction, as we know that uh, divisions are, are, are established in each and every uh, province, Chairperson. And then, in light of the definition of owner, there will be just minor changes that are happening there, Chairperson. And what appears there in number 12 um, is just to ensure that um, 
with the changes done to Holder and what was explained, everything then becomes clear. So what will happen if one looks at the bill uh, for purposes of number 12? We will have to add that portion of common law and the owner in respect and in light of how the common law defines owner. And then we will we, 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 we remove must be because with what we are suggesting, then it, it will read out of sync. And, and then again, in, in paragraph I, we will change it to read that it includes an authorized representative of the owner who is ordinarily resident in the Republic. And this seeks to contain where there are owners outside of the territory, but the process needs to take place and therefore there would be arrangements or offices of those that are not ordinarily resident in the country, especially in light of businesses, if the business is conducted in the country by an institution that is not ordinarily resident in our own republic. Public purpose, Chairperson, will also read as follows. It includes any purposes connected to the administration of any law by an organ of state, in terms of which the property concerned will be used by or for the benefit of the public. As well as service, we have refined the meaning of service to mean it means a service as contemplated in section 24.1 and serve as a corresponding meeting. This at Chaperson, this one we were still discussing. Um, initially, it appears to say it includes regulations prescribed in terms of section 27 and 28. We've also noted that there are other places that speaks about regulations, so restricting them to these specific sections might not be wise and might create unnecessary confusion. And the principle that the law needs to be as precise and certain might then require us to just indicate without making reference to the sections as that may be redundant and just say, this act includes the regulations prescribed in terms of this act as well. That is normally the, the, the preferred standard when following the conventional drafting uh, procedures. Unregistered rights, Chaperson will have to look as follows. It means a right in property recognized and protected by law, including customary law, which does not require registration and includes a right to occupy or use land. This is an attempt, Chaperson, to ensure that as, as members would know, Chapter 12 recognizes customary law, and it is a law that can survive and must survive and be maintained on its own, um, even in light of all the, 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 the current legal system that we have. Hence, this uh, inclusion of customary law is to ensure that the Constitution in its entirety is, is, is followed and there is full compliance as well. Um, in light of the bill so that the bill may pass constitutional master. There was also discussions around Velua and we have provided this proposal. It must mean a person who is suitably qualified to value particular property and includes a person registered as a professional valuer 
or professional associated value in terms of section 19 of the property valuers professional profession act 2000 it is act number 47 of 2000 chairperson maybe i should get clarity that i go through clause by clause and wait for questions and then move on or just go on and get questions if hands are raised um if i can get that clarity from you chairperson i thank you I'll pause there for now. Thank you, uh, Ms. Kumelena. I will now invite honorable members um, to raise comments on on the presentations that has been done by Ms. Pumelele. Um, Honorable Grammare, uh, I can see your hand for now. Yeah, thank you, Chair. And um, you will be followed by Honorable Matebula. So you are allowed to comment in, in the entire presentation. Thank you. Okay, thanks, thanks very much, Chair. Um, okay, so Chairperson, just in terms of the issues that have been raised, um, on point nine, I don't know if Chair if, um, if, uh, wants to just scroll to that. Where we speak about the um, the definition of expropriation, um, I'm worried that it doesn't cover temporary expropriation. Now, I know that that is addressed later on. Um, I can't remember exactly where, where there's a reference to it including temporary um, expropriation, but I'm, I'm not sure that it shouldn't be included here under the definition of expropriation. Um, and then also... Um, uh, the curtailment of rights by the state is not is not fully addressed here under expropriation. In other words, we're speaking about acquisition of property for a public purpose or in the public interest, but we're not talking to where there's a curtailment of rights due to the use of the property um, by an organ of state. And I don't know if we can't possibly try and include that into this definition here. So that ex expropriation is not just an actual acquisition of property, but also could impede the right of the usage of the property. Um, by the owner, say in a temporary in a temporary expropriation or something like that. Um, under the holder of the right, the next one, number ten. Um, while I understand the purpose of amending that that definition, my concern here is that it's it doesn't it's not clear. So I read that about five times trying to work out what exactly it is that we're trying to say. So I do believe that if we're providing definitions that are supposed to provide clarity on, on um, items within the bill, then those definitions should clarify what we're trying to say and not confuse further. So I'm sure there's a, a better way we can word that, um, that definition just to make it um, more understandable. Um, also, number 12, um, while I looked at all the um, amendments that have been made, the recommendations and the insertion of words and everything, I, I couldn't work out exactly how that definition would read. So if we could just get an idea on, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's the definition of owner, but we're inserting words and I put the words in and I can't understand what we're trying to say, but I can't, I can't understand what it's saying. So if we could be clarity on that. 
Um, public purpose, number 14. I still feel that that is slightly vague. Um, I don't know if there is anywhere we can address the vagueness of that definition, but I do believe it is still slightly vague. Um, service. Um, I don't know if it's even necessary to put that definition in. I mean, it's a bit of a, a sort of arbitrary definition, um, and if services is dealt with extensively in another clause, I'm not sure that we, we necessarily have to um, put in a definition, but it's not a big deal. And then um, with uh, this Act, um, number 16, when you reference section 27 and 20, 28, um, looking at my document or with the Act as it stands now, 27 is offences and fines. Um, so according to my document, sections 20, 28 and 29 are the ones that speak to regulations. But then I can't remember, I think we're going to have to relook at the numbering anywhere, which you've made reference to later on in the document, that because there's been a change in clauses. Um, but we must just, just take note of the fact that where we are referencing specific sections later on in the Act, that they are in fact the correct um, sections that are being referenced. Um, and then um, under valuer um, number 18, I'm just curious if suitably qualified is a sufficient um, definitive term, um, although I am happy generally with, with, the, with the definition as it stands. Thank you very much. Honourable Matsebula. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Um, well, Chair, uh, on, uh, under clause number one, uh, point one, uh, Chair, under uh, a list, Chair, uh, well, uh, I wish to point it out that um, uh, we don't agree with the counter offer. In such a chair, we agree with the proposal <coughs> of encounter offer that is made uh, in the bill as compared to, to this one. Um, under point five, uh, chair, uh, on a list, um, well, chair, I see here that uh, there, are, there is an omission that is made. Uh, in terms of the <clears throat> this page under uh, a list, uh, uh, now one needs to understand as to what informs, you know, the change um, in this. Because in our view, Chair, is that uh, uh, this is instead this it's it's more uh, you know helping the the original one as compared to this one. But perhaps the, the legal team there, or the presenter from the legal side as an advisor to this committee, they can give us um, the reason as to why. And then under point five, Chair, uh, I again wish to point it out that, um, you know, what we need to do here, Chair, we need to try and do things as quick as we possibly can without prolonging uh, you know, uh, the processes. So now I want to also indicate that we disagree in relation to the counter offer that is, that is made. And the point six, Chair, 
Well, I don't understand the rationale uh, against uh, the removal of part of this, um, uh, you know, this section as to what what informs that. If one can be informed as to why is there a removal of of, of this uh, part of this section. Uh, point nine, Chair. Uh, Chair, well, uh, one needs to understand that the implication of the new definition in terms of the areas, <coughs> areas, the Department of Agriculture, Land and Rural Development will, will introduce a legislation that deals with uh, communal land tenure uh, rights, Chair. So the exclusion of an unregistered owner can be a bit problematic. Uh, for instance, uh, whereby an unregistered owner is also a, a, a holder of a right. Um, so, well, I, I want to also indicate, uh, except for what I have raised the matters on, um, we fully agree with what the the advisor advises the uh, the committee because we must remember that uh, an advice can be accepted or be rejected. I think it is within our rights uh, to differ with whoever uh, who disagrees um, with the the advice as given uh, by the legal team. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable uh, Matebula. Honorable Shabalala. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Can I not open the video? Um, I wish to align myself with the contribution by Honorable Matebula. And my take would be that I don't wish us to amend for the sake of amending, not unless there are changes uh, uh, because uh, any clause or any section is not aligned to the constitution or unless there is a section that is not in the public interest as not and not for the public um, uh, purpose. Those are the guiding uh, principle, Chairperson. Uh, but also remember that when this, the, 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 con the conceptualization of this bill has taken a lot of time, but also it has taken the, the brilliant minds to, to craft uh, this bill. Uh, as long as it, does, uh, it doesn't change the objects of the bill, then we, we, we can talk. But other issues like the counter offer, we, we know that our country is a very litigious uh, uh, country. But at the same time, there is a section where you say uh, you need to infect the counter offer. But at the same time, we all know that this will prolong 
the years and years uh, of 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 the the process to the extent that this will affect even this uh, five years that is being mentioned. And then what does that mean? It means that the same property must then be given to the back to the original owner. We, we cannot shoot ourselves on the foot whilst it's daylight and we, 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 we can see things and we work with the communities. But at the same time, we, we shouldn't make all the changes that are necessary in such a way that it confuses us. So what about the ordinary uh, person in the in the in our society? People want this thing to be done with and to be actioned. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, uh, Honorable uh, Shabalala, uh, Honorable Matebula, Honorable Graham Mare, um, for the contributions. Honorable Njobo. Honorable Njobo. Yes, thanks, Chairperson, and good morning to members and to the department. I just want to align myself with, with, with Honorable Matebula and Honorable Lizzie, especially on the issue of we mustn't just amend for the sake of amendment. So if uh, maybe the clause is okay, let's agree on that one. Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mjobo. Uh, let's, let's allow maybe Miss Gemma to to respond. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Um, and if, 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 if I may, I may, I may just uh, ask Miss um, Missingema um, on page la, five, ne? you are saying on the A list. We must omit the definition of the expropriated holder. Expropriated holder. What? 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 What example? What is the rationale for removal of that? Yeah, that's yeah. Point number seven. Just, just, just a, a, a question. Okay, over to you. Thank you so much, Chairperson, and all the members for all the questions posed. Chairperson, with your permission, I would request that the state law advisor and if the department also feels maybe the explanation would not be sufficient, as a team, they may be allowed to come in. Chairperson, perhaps um, with all the questions that have been asked, let me start with uh, owner and, and, and the impact of how owner um, would 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 be like 
in the final in the final bill. It's not easy, Chairperson, to do it all at once, the talking and the, the moving of the presentation, but I'll definitely try as far as possible. Chairperson, in light of what we, we, we was presented on the opinions, the owner will not so much change um, uh, you will not so much change, but what 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 we must understand in light, especially with the questions related to unregistered owner, as I explained, um, or as I explained, Chairperson, the 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 the, 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 the definition as appears, there won't be so much changes in light thereof, except these consequentials that are appearing there. So, Chairperson, we will be, and there is a principle furthermore, as the members have pointed out, that when we are presenting definitions that are relevant and meant to explain the concepts that are used in the bill, ordinarily, we're supposed to leave the ordinary definition from the dictionary and the standing meaning as the one that must be taken on board. However, when we presented definition for purposes of the act and to be restricted to the act, that is when a definition must be presented. And therefore, the definitions that are done here are either done to make sure that if there is a distinction from the ordinary meaning, that is captured, but also to clarify for purposes of the act. And therefore, Chairperson, in light of the ordinary meaning for owner, that would, would still stay. And that is why we have indicated that even owners that are owning, but there is no law that requires that their ownership be registered, they are still covered within this definition. They will not be excluded. And that's what is, 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 is the purpose of the proposal and not so much too much change that is brought in in the definition of what is is what the, the, the department proposed to, to, to confine the definition of owner. And on the question of the chairperson, because I'm trying to bring in owner and the holders and the rights uh, held by people that are being expropriated or those that are not registered. On the question that was asked as to why we are removing expropriated holder by the chairperson, what it was reading like, chairperson, it was indicating it means a holder of an unregistered right in property, which right has been expropriated by notice in terms of Section 8.1. What we have done now is to ensure that all these within the content are very clear. For an example, we are bringing in in the definitions and the content, the mortgage G. And there was an issue that before they were not involved. For an example, between a mortgage G and a mortgage O, one may need to appreciate that with the, the, the title deed, while the, 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 the property is still on, 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 on bond or loan, who then is registered and who is the owner? And the issues in respect of customary law and when they are 
when there are mining rights and all those and the rights that are not registered. That is exactly what we are attempting to encapsulate and bring the clarity that is necessary when we do the revised presentation and provisions on the definition of owner and the definition of expropriated holder and the definition of holder of a right. Because this, these are now consequential changes arising from the proposals that were raised. And, 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 and then it seeks to bring clarity that is necessary when we read the content that will appear in the B version of the bill. Um, and we take on board the 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 the, 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 the directives as well as the opinions of the members indicating that we should not solely present or make definitions for the sake of making them and what is 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 in the bill currently should not be changed for the sake of changing it um now, going back, Jefferson, to the issue about temporary expropriation. Jefferson, temporary expropriation, if I'm not wrong, was dealt with and explained as part of clause 22, the agent expropriation. And so the question was asking clarity whether when that occurs, the curtailment of rights that may be affected there, then the proposed definitions do not cater and it does not speak to. There is also a principle that we should not be bringing more concepts during the definitions. So, because that will be wrong, the content must appear within the provisions themselves and not so much on the definitions. I believe in light of the issues about curtailment of the rights and who will be affected will appear in the gist of the provision wherever the question is raised or wherever the concept is addressed. So in light of the issues about curtailing the rights, the content itself will explain and be circumscribed where it's necessary as to what happens and who will be affected and how they will be affected. The holder of a right and, and, and to indicate that is not clear, we must recall that this definition must, meet, must not be read in isolation. That is why in my, in my first explanation, I wanted to explain owner against what is presented and, and, and what the proposals then are necessary to achieve so that there is no further confusion that is created by the way we are presenting the definitions and the way that we are presenting the content. Um, I think on the other issues, Chairperson, perhaps the issue of counter offer, because I'm also picking up that there are many contentions there and that we need not necessarily have brought that definition about counter offer. Um, we, 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 we take the comments and I think maybe once we read the provision that relates to counter offer and what is proposed in light thereof of the process, members could be right 
it may not be necessary to define counteroffer or, or to deal with it in the manner that the definition of payment is, is indicating. Because I agree that litigation is happening like nobody's business in the current season and time of our country. So we do we will take on board what the members have said in light of the proposal. And as this has said, it's it's still merely a draft. And that is why members are deliberating on it. I will ask if the chairperson is okay with that, if Mr. Advocate Van Breda can come in and maybe add where I may have left out um, the clarity, chairperson. I thank you. Thank you, Chair, if I, if I may. You may continue. Yes, Chair. Um, in respect of the, the concern or the question of clarity regarding the definition of ownership, what uh, we are trying to do in the bill is to, um, to reflect or to express a clear distinction between holder of a right and owner. Because as previously discussed in the committee deliberations, there are owners whose ownership is not registered. Um, and they are, of course, holders of rights. So in the, the bill, we are defining the holder of a right as a holder of an unregistered right, excluding owners. Because throughout the bill, we refer to holders of rights and to, to owners as well. So we don't want there to be um, a confusion to, between the two terms. There must be a clear distinction. So that's why owner is now being amended to include ownership, include ownership which is not registered. So that would include ownership in terms of the common law uh, as well as customary law. So that's really the, the um, rationale for for the amendment to, to, to owner. So I hope that provides clarity. Um, in respect of the definition of um, expropriation, I am in agreement with, with uh, the parliamentary advisor. Um, look, a temporary or rather urgent expropriation uh, is, is as, as provided in clause 22, is, is a provision for temporary use. So, we, we can't take that under advisement as to whether the definition of expropriation should indeed be amended. But yes, we'll take that under, under consideration. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Advocate Van Breda. Um, Shabalala. Uh, thank you, Chairperson, and I wish to appreciate the the clarity given by the previous um, um, uh, advocate Van Breda. I think I am I'm, I'm aligning myself with this one because under the definition of an unregistered owner, we know in our society that there is customary law. We also know that there are people who have been able to give or inherit the, the properties, but they were not at that particular time able to pay for the cost of the conveyance. But at the same time, 
they are the owners uh, of 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 the property. I, I I think we need to cover all round all the ground so that we are not taken by surprise. So I align myself and I also agree that we do not change this one because it's self-explanatory and it covers uh, the risk that we might practically encounter as we move on. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, um, Honorable Shabalala. Um, uh, any other comments, Honorable Members? Yes, Chaisim Jobo. I'd like to support Honorable uh, Shabalal. On, uh, on this point? Yes, Chair. Thank you. Can we then continue? Thank you, Chairperson. We move to clause two. And clause two, Chairperson, is the provision about application of this act once it becomes an act of parliament. What is presented, Chairperson, um, in respect of, of, of subsection one, In light of the in in light of of the presentation that was done and the deliberations, Chairperson, we are going to insert this following phrase, and perhaps I should quickly read it as it will read. We must insert or cause it to be acquired under subsection three, and subsection three we are going to be adding some. Um, revision in order for it to read correctly. So on page six of the bill, Chairperson clause one will have to read, despite the provisions of any law, to the contrary, an expropriating authority may not expropriate property arbitrarily or cause it to be acquired under subsection three for purposes under the, other than a public purpose or in the public interest. So this seeks to clarify the issues that were raised in respect of the power to expropriate and how it should be clear on its containment and how it's going to be kept. Then the second amendment, Chairperson, in respect of, of, of subsection two, because subsection two, as well discussed, is going to be omitted, and then we present this following um, proposal. The provisions of this act apply with the necessary changes to the compulsory acquisition of property directly or indirectly by third party beneficiaries through an expropriating authority in the public interest, including as contemplated in section 25.428 of the constitution. This is an attempt to encapsulate all the forms of expropriation 
even that where acquisition does not necessarily require that it first goes to the hand of the state, but it may go directly to the purpose and the third beneficiaries, for an example, in restitution cases, that is meant to go directly to those that the expropriation takes place for in, 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 in the first place, considering the purpose of, of whatever will be indicated as the purpose of that expropriation. On number three, Chaperson, in terms of line 27, it is related to clause four. We are also from the deliberations where clause four was saying an expropriating authority may expropriate property in terms of a power conferred on such expropriating authority by or under law of general application, provided that the exercise of such power in accordance is in accordance with sections 5 to 27 and 31. We are proposing that the new provision will read as follows, an expropriating authority may expropriate property in terms of a power conferred on it by law of general application and in accordance with sections 5 to 27 and 31. On number four, Chairperson, we are proposing to add subsection five. This will also seek to, to deal with the concerns that were raised. And number five, a, a new subsection must read, the power to expropriate includes the power to acquire a right to use property temporarily. And this is to deal with the provisions under clause 22 as well, Chairperson where it may, it may be necessary to hold or take property temporarily. That is the presentation on close two, Chairperson. Um, Honorable Franz Kalbeik, Honorable Kroyamare, Honorable Shabalala, Honorable Matebula. In that order, honorable members. Thank you very much, Chairperson, and good morning to honorable Chairperson, the members and the staff present also, to uh, Ms. Pumalelo and others. Uh, Chairperson, I would like to refer to on close to, on page six from line 19, uh, which seeks to omit subsection two and to substitute uh, the rest. Uh, my view on this chairperson is that I need to understand the necessity of, of, of the change of, of this particular clause, because I would say that we can agree with the previous formulation in the original draft bill. The provisions in section 2.2 of the original bill provides an opportunity for the consultation in cases of expropriation. The proposed uh, concurrence in the first draft is un understood within the context that SOEs function and, pur uh, and purposes 
and interests are already public. So that's my submission in, in this regard. Furthermore, I, I agree with the rest. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, thank you, Chairperson. Um, okay, I, um, I've just got two inputs. On that section that um, Honourable Shalom has just spoken to on, on the second point, it says that the provisions of this Act apply, and it says with the necessary changes, and I'm not understanding what you refer to with respect to the necessary changes. Um, what changes are those? If you can just give clarity on that. Um, and then on four, um, if you can just scroll down to four, if you don't mind, please. And of course, two. Thank you. Um, and expropriate, expropriate. So I'm just wondering if it's necessary to include that that here or under um, expropriation, under the definition of um, expropriation. Um, in other words, that that could be addressed in that section as opposed to um, putting in a new uh, a new clause referencing it. But other than that, um, sorry, I, I, I just uh, sorry, I read the wrong thing. Four is um, point five, which is a new clause that you're adding. And it says the power to expropriate includes the power to acquire a right to use property temporarily. Now that speaks to what we were talking about in terms of the definition of expropriation. Um, and I'm wondering why that has to be repeated in this section and why it can't, it isn't just covered by the definition. But aside from that, I'm actually, um, I'm perfectly happy with it. Thank you so much. Honourable Shabalala, then followed by Honourable Matebula. Uh, uh, thank you, Chairperson. I forgot to to greet you, Honourable Members, and the support staff in the department. I'm sorry for that. I'm panicking because of the network. Um, I wish to align myself and also appreciate the contribution by the Honourable Member, Van uh, she has uh, really covered me on the page six from uh, line 19. Uh, I also have some issues of clarity. But besides that, Chairperson, uh, on all others, your page six, uh, line 28, and the rest, I, I, I think um, I agree with the with what is has been uh, inserted. Thank you so much, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Shabalala, Honourable Matebula. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, I want to align myself with my two uh, fellow uh, comrades, Comrade Vanskalevik uh, and Shabalala. <coughs> But I just want to say, Chair, that uh, uh, when you look at the, uh, you know, the the proposal as compared to the original proposal, um, I think uh, the proposal to change it's it's unnecessary, Chair, because if you look at extent, uh, the section twenty five of the constitution, uh, that's what we 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 have always been looking at when we dealt with the issue of the bill. Uh, 
that we must be in line with section uh, 25 of the constitution and this is what is in line with the, the section uh, 25 of the constitution so the change as the comrades have said um, in my view i don't think it is uh, necessary thank you very much Thank you, honorable members. Um, over to you, uh, Ms. Yama and Advocate Van Brother. Thank you, Chairperson. I think let me start with the issue on subsection two, what with the necessary changes mean. The necessary changes phrase, Chairperson, would relate in respect where for an example, there is mention of the names or whether functionary, whoever is given the power to do something will be doing that something. And if it must be the name in the minister, then and, and, and somewhere it reads the other thing. It relates to such changes where they may be necessary as you read the content and the context of the provision. That's what it will be relating to, Chairperson, the necessary changes. It's a normal drafting phrase which tries to capture where we may not be indicating specifically what is, 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 the, is the relevant essence of, of, of given that the, the, the task. Then, Chairperson, um, The other issue that was raised in respect of 2.5, the new suggested 2.5 and the definition, I already pointed out, Chairperson, that at times the principle is that it is not wise to give full content and details within the definitions, but rather leave it for purposes and within the content of the provision which is speaking thereof. Hence, the definition and what we are presenting, the definition of expropriation and what we are presenting in five is to ensure that the details are left out for the content and not put to create redundance and confusion within the definitions. That is why, Jefferson, we, we, we have added sub five in addition to what the definition is seeking to present. Um, in respect of the questions asked around clause one, sub, sub one, two one of the of the of the existing bill, two one was reading that despite the provisions of any law to the contrary, an expropriating authority may not expropriate property arbitrarily or for a purpose other than a public purpose or in the public interest. And sub two is also as introduced reading, despite the provisions of any law to the contrary, an expropriating authority may not expropriate the property of a state-owned cooperation or a state-owned entity without the concurrence of the executive authority responsible for that cooperation or entity. Now, the questions that are raised in respect of sub-1 and sub-2 and the deliberations, um, Chairperson, you would, we would recall what were the issues that were raised in respect of these two provisions. 
and the issue with one and why we are bringing in that phrase or cause it to be acquired under subsection three. Subsection three is the one that is dealing with the temporal, the agent expropriation, because as we can see, it says subject to subsection 22. So if it will also be acquired in light of those instances, we are extending to say the definition and the expropriating power, it, 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 it may still occur as long as the references and the compliance with all the processes are followed, including what was said in section, in, in what is said in section 25 of the constitution. So, Jefferson, I think these two are brought in to enhance the provisions as they currently appear, as well as to address the issues that were raised during the time of deliberations. Thank you, Chair. Chair, uh, if I may. Yes, um, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would just like to add to, to what Pumilele um, uh, has said um, regarding the, the concern raised in respect of subclause two. Uh, the existing subclause two is, is being omitted as it requires the concurrence of state entities to the expropriation of state-owned land. So this is actually in, in conflict with the, with the concept of expropriation and further in conflict with the constitution, which requires a law of general application. So hence we've, we've substituted it to, to provide that such concurrence um, will, will not be necessary. Uh, thank you, Chief. Oh, it's a legacy and uh, my apologies. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you wanted to come back on, 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 on this uh, uh, interpretation. I hope that as, as, our, as our team, um, uh, Mr. Shueib, uh, are, are capturing um, what more the honorable members are saying on, on, on some of the issues. Um, and, and, and I think I think on that one they have clearly indicated that uh, we need to go back on the original um, document on on, on that uh, uh, sub clause. We go to the next uh, clause. Thank you, Chairperson. Clause three is now the gist of the, the power and the direction to expropriate. It's a clause on the powers of minister to expropriate. Chairperson, here we will not be doing anything in respect of sub one, but then the proposal comes in in respect of clause two, of, of subsection two, which was as follows. If an organ of state other than an expropriating authority satisfies the minister, 
that it requires particular property for a public purpose or in the public interest, then the minister must expropriate that property on behalf of that organ of state upon its written request, subject to and in accordance with the provisions of this Act. And what we are proposing, Chaperson, is the change that the minister may expropriate property on behalf of an organ of state which has been established by or under any law for the promotion of public importance but is not an expropriating authority if a the member of the executive responsible for the administration of that law request the minister to do so in writing, and B, the minister is satisfied that the organ of state requires the property for a public purpose or in the public interest. This again, Chaperson, in light of the deliberations, is an attempt to ensure that when the expropriating authority is to be the minister, and is being requested to expropriate, and it is not in the accord of the minister themselves. The minister that is responsible or where that organ of state is falling under their responsibility, it must be the minister in that portfolio where the expropriation must be done by the minister who makes the request and the request is in writing, and the minister who is then the expropriating authority in light of this bill must be satisfied that the organ of state requires the property for purposes of public, public interest and public purpose to ensure that the caveat within this bill is ensured um, and, 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 and expropriation is not just done at the whim of, 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 of people without any reasoning or justification behind it. And so that this, this suggestion, Chaperson, is an attempt to clarify all the issues that were brought in respect of the existing subsection two under clause three. And in respect of subsection three, Chaperson, subsection three, the issue there was the clarity and nothing that we could benchmark in terms of no law ever mentioning that there is a minister's mandate. So what we have done here is to refine subsection three to read as follows. The minister's power to expropriate property in terms of subsections one and two includes the power to expropriate property to be used for the provision and management of the accommodation and land and infrastructure needs of an organ of state. So without the inclusion of that last phrase, which was saying in terms of the minister's mandate, because that would have created some unnecessary confusion as to what exactly is the minister's mandate that is referred to in this instance. And then in respect of clause four, we are also presenting the proposal to read as follows where only a portion of land of a land parcel is to be expropriated, the minister may expropriate that portion together with the remainder of the land parcel if A, the owner so requests, and B, 
the minister is satisfied that partial expropriation would impair the use or potential use of the remainder and that it would be just and equitable to the owner to expropriate the remainder. Members would recall that the land parcel is defined. So in instances where not the entire property would be taken, this provision was seeking to address where the owner is saying, rather take everything than take in piecemeal. So this is the proposal that is, is seeking to clarify that part. And then in respect of number four, Chairperson, paragraph B, and uh, that is clause five, Chairperson, I mean, that is subsection five under three, in respect of paragraph B, we are saying it would read, when the minister expropriates property in terms of subsection two, the right to possession of the property vest in the relevant organ of state in terms of section nine. This will be in relation to the proposals that we will be changing the process in terms of investigation notices and possession and vesting as appears in clause nine chairperson to align with all the issues that were raised and the inclusion of the new parties or bodies that need to be added, which were not added in the bill. Um, and, and, and that is the effect of that change. In respect of number five chairperson, uh, for C, we, we are suggesting that there be these changes because there is an addition that is going to happen in clause nine, and we will deal with it when we get there. So what number five is doing, it relates to in the bill, clause three, five B, I mean, clause three, subsection five C, and it will read as follows. Where only a portion of land parcel is expropriated. The minister, I'm sorry, Chair. When the minister expropriates property in, in terms of subsection two, subject to, sub, to section 95B, the relevant organ of state is liable for the fees, duties, and other charges, which would have been payable by that organ of state in terms of any law if had purchased that property. Number six, Chaperson, as is highlighted, I think it, it found its way wrongly because there is nothing that is changing in respect of the, 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 the D and the refund or repayment of the cost that the expropriating authority would have incurred. So that one, Chaperson, number six, will have to come out because it will remain as is on the bill. Maybe we missed it while we were conducting our discussions in light of the deliberations and issues that were raised. We will remove number six, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Ms. Pumalele. Um, honorable members, um, clause number three, Honorable Graham Mara. Thanks very much, Chair. Um, and thanks, Ms. Pumalela. Yeah, because I had I had I reread that that number six that clause about five times to try and work out what the change was. So I'm glad I'm glad I'm not going mad. 
Um, on number one, um, there's a, you use the phrase public importance, um, which is a new word that, that doesn't appear anywhere else in the Act. Um, so I'm just curious as to what the relevance of that word in particular is, um, why, what it means, and is the, the use of the word public importance not limiting in terms of um, why people would then be able to, to um, expropriate? Because I think at a later stage, we in, in the next section, um, so if we go down to number two, just a correction on your on your notes, by the way, you reference line 27, but it's actually line 37 um, on page six from line 27, it should be 37. Um, so the minister's power to expropriate property in terms of subsections one and two includes the power to expropriate property to be used for the provision management of the accommodation land infrastructure needs. So my question is, is this section, the second section, not redundant because um, it's actually covered in the, in the preceding section? Or alternatively, it actually contradicts the preceding section because the, the preceding section speaks to public importance and then this one is now for, a, for other things. So I'm just concerned that there is a, a slight conflict between the two sections and there doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, I don't even think we need the second section if we if we sort of um you know um what's the word i'm looking for in, increase the sort of um jurisdiction of the of the minister in terms of um of what they can um expropriate for so that that public importance could incorporate um things like the provision and management of the accommodation and land and infrastructure needs so maybe importance is not the right word and we should be looking at um you know in the pursuance of the legislative mandate or um you know, um, that sort of thing where that would then encompass their own needs for the for the pursuance of, of their of their objectives. Um, and then um, on number four, point number four, um, going down to point number four on this clause. Yeah, that one. Um, the right to possession of property vests in the relevant organ of state in terms of section nine. Um, again, I'm concerned that that possession vests on expropriation and not on payment or settlement of the mortgage. So not on payment of compensation or on settlement of the mortgage. I would suggest that A under that, that clause. So that clause there, um, we are looking at um, B. Or B, I think it is. Oh, 5B, where it says there um, the date on which the right to possession of the property vests in the relevant organ of state. But if you look at A, the ownership of the property vests in the relevant organ of state on the date of expropriation. So while we're doing these amendments, um, I would like to request that we look at A um, and amend that to include um, on the payment of compensation um, if we can. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, yes. Yes. Thank you very much, Chair. Well, uh, uh, when we started uh, with the, the meeting, Honorable uh, Shabalala indicated to this meeting that uh, we should not come up with a, you know, a proposal to make changes 
simply because um, we want uh, changes to be there without any uh, valid or intangible reason. Now, Chair, I want to say, as I take from her, even though I did not uh, quote her verbatim, that uh, in line with the advices that we got as a committee here, uh, it is of no use for one to say that uh, uh, what we have been advised on, uh, one need uh, changes uh, on those uh, advices. I think the advices that have been given to us, they are proper and they are assisting uh, the, process, the process of the bill. And it is in line with the constitutions and other pieces of legislations that are there, which are, we are, that are used to guide us in terms of uh, coming up with this amendment bill. So as such, uh, I want to support without any amendment or changes made to the advice given to this committee. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Matibula. Um, I think on, on, on that note, uh, oh, Honorable Franz Kalbeck, before I hand over to Ms. Pumalele and Advocate Van Breda. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, I would like to align myself with the uh, notion of, of, of uh, Honorable Matabula in terms of not uh, uh, omitting or changing anything in terms of uh, this section. Thank you very much. Honorable Tring. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair. Chair, I, I, I want to disagree with my uh, former colleagues, Matabula and uh, Van Skalkweg. I think that it's important that as members of Parliament of this particular committee, uh, that we are allowed to interrogate and make recommendations in terms of changes. Um, what's the purpose then of this of this particular meeting if we are if we are if we see that perhaps there's an, either an error um, or if we in terms of our particular input, um, want to make certain recommendations to improve the bill, um, but the only types of recommendations then that are going to be allowed are recommendations from, from one particular group. So, so I think that uh, it's important that we allow uh, for constructive debate uh, and input from all members uh, of this particular committee. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, uh, Honorable Trink. Um, I don't think uh, there has been any member deliberately uh, saying that uh, members must not comment or must not debate on this. The reason we are doing so, but again, we can say when other uh, members are supporting each other on a particular clause and then because they feel that that particular clause is correct according to them, and then would say they are wrong. Uh, all the views are, are accepted in this, and if it comes to a push that if we differ and, and we can't come closer to each other, we will then have to vote 
for that particular clause. So if there has been a, a an issue where a member, Honorable Tring, has said that we, other members must not debate on this, uh, I think that was wrong. But I don't think this is the spirit of, of this meeting. Um, over to you, uh, Ms. Pumalele. Thank you, Chairperson. I think, let me say on this one, we take note of the points that the members have made, and we will definitely relook at what is pointed at and, 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 and with the guidance as well, when the voting stage come on this proposal, we, we, we get a final directive as to what happens. I think the issue of public importance and what it means and how it, it, it may conflate and confuse issues, we will relook at it and reconsider the meaning of that word, public importance, and perhaps related to the existing words, the public interest and public purposes rather than public importance. And we will consider the contradiction as pointed out that 3.2 or suggested 3.3 may be contradicting itself. Um, and as, as indicated, Chaperson, I think on my side, the, 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 the suggestions and views of the members are taken on board. We will just have to consider them and 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 see what comes out at the end. Um, Advocate Breda, maybe you can come in and clarify, especially three two and three three, if you do have a, a view there, in terms of the contradiction in terms of those two provisions. Thank you, Chair. Chair, I don't have anything further to add in respect of uh, subclauses two and three. Um, regarding subclause five A, I believe there was a proposal that um, we should add uh, after um, compensation has been paid. Um, with regards to 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 compensation. Uh, you will note that the bill has now been revised to provide that the compensation must be finalized prior to expropriation. Um, so these these issues are, are dealt with in other clauses. So I don't believe it's it's necessary to 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 include it there at five a. But other than that, um, I'm in agreement with uh, with Pumalele. Thank you, Jane. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, Ms. Pumalele and, and Advocate. Um, uh, and also, please note that when, as much as members would say, um, we would like to understand this, we really appreciate an explanation that is then given. Because we are asking those things because we have read the original document we have read, uh, we were here when the legal services was responding on issues raised in our public hearings and written submissions and in oral presentations. And again, we were here when, when, the, when you also uh, were uh, 
presenting, uh, having read all those documents. So we are now working towards the final document. So if members feel that this document, this particular clause has to go back to what it originally was, uh, we must also note that. And even when members say that this, uh, we feel that you have captured the essence of what was raised. But if another member is raising that, we will always appreciate your your, your responses, Ms. Uh, Pumelen um, and Fabreda. And so far, you're doing so well. I think we now go to the, is it clause five or clause four? Oh, we just did clause four. We're going to clause five now. It is four chairperson that dedication four? and assignment. <laughs> okay, 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 fine. Uh, the, 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 there's really not much um, there, chairperson. It has two provisions, and we are correcting sub one for sub one, subject to subsection two. The minister may delegate or assign either generally or in relation to a particular property or a particular case, a power or duty under this act to an official of, a, of the department. Um, we will only amend sub one, Chairperson, just to bring more clarity and make ease in reading that provision. And then in respect of number two, from line nine in subsection two, we omit on him or her in terms of, because I think it was just redundancy and to substitute by the use of many words, we are just changing that to by chairperson. That is all on clause four. Is clause five also, okay, there's a lot in clause five. Okay, I, I was going to say, let's also go to clause five. Okay, honorable members, clause four. Honorable Van Skalvik, honorable Tring. Honorable Van Skalvik. Sorry, Chair, it's a legacy end, sorry. Oh, okay, honorable Tring. Same with mine, Chair. My apologies. Okay. If if in the absence of, of, of hands, it means that you are agreeing with the with the with the um, with the changes in clause four. Then we go to clause five. The clause five, Ms. Thank Pumelele. you, Chairperson. On clause five, this is where lot of the changes because remember chairperson on the opinion it's in relation to the actual process now which will be process number one the investigating stage what we are then doing chairperson is to start with five one and for five one we are proposing that there be this following change which does not differ that much from the original one the expropriating authority must consider all relevant factors when deciding whether to expropriate property and must ascertain A, the suitability of the property 
for the required purpose. B, the existence of registered and unregistered rights in such property. And C, which is an addition, the facts relevant to calculating an amount of compensation that accords with section 12 and formulate an offer of just and equitable compensation for each person who would be affected if the property were expropriated. This is in line with the explanation and the opinion that was given that um, the discussions as well as finding one another on the offer of the compensation where compensation would be paid and where nil compensation may be, may be the appropriate taken decision because the process will now require an investigation. And during the investigation, it is also indicated by C that the offer as, as it was deliberated must also be presented at the instance of the expropriating authority. And that is what C then is bringing about. And then in respect of the following changes, Chaperson on two, um, it is as per the, 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 the discussions that perhaps um, to omit the comma after, after May, it's just consequential corrections. And in respect of number three on page seven, in line 20, it was reading subject to subsection three, if the property is land and expropriating authority may in writing. And that one, Chaperson, we are going to insert may authorize uh, for purposes of whatever is then outlined in subsection two. Um, again, is to extend the power and having seen that a delegation may also occur in light of what clause four is providing. So, Chaperson, what then I will move straight, as I said, the other ones are consequential corrections to number six which is a paragraph change in, in light of the definition of value, where we are saying for paragraph B, the following B must be substituted um, for purposes of, subset of, of clause 5.2B, a value to enter upon the land and any building on such land and to do the necessary inspections and investigations for purposes of valuing it. We are just extending a clarity in terms of that provision in relation of the powers and what can be done during the, the process of doing an evaluation, whether it's an evaluation of a property that's immovable or intangible or movable, because we would recall it was pointed out that the expropriation in this instance does not only restrict itself to immovable property. And in respect of subsection three under clause five, we are proposing the following. The pe um, instead of 
making it as a threat, it will be a clear prohibition to say no person contemplated in subsection 2 may enter the property without written authorization from the expropriating authority and the written consent of the owner or occupier of the property to perform an act contemplated in subsection 2 or in the event of the owner or occupier refusing or failing to grant consent contemplated in paragraph A, a court order authorizing entry onto the land, including any building thereon for purposes of conducting the investigations contemplated in subsection 2. This is to ensure the right of people to privacy and to privacy and dignity uh, and ensure that it aligns with the current regulatory framework in terms of promoting and protecting that right. That is why entrance or, or the right to enter will come in having followed the, 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 the suggested process. And in light of number eight, for purposes of subsection four, Chairperson, we are proposing the following in light of all the defined uh, changes that we have we have explained earlier on. The value are contemplated in subsection two B may do the following: a require the owner or occupier of the property to give them access to a document in the possession or under the control of the owner or occupier, which the valuer reasonably requires for the purposes of valuing the property. B, extract information from or make copies of a document to which access is given in terms of paragraph A. C, in writing, require the owner or occupier of property to provide either in writing or orally particulars of the property that are reasonably required for the purposes of valuing the property. And D, Despite the provisions of any law to the contrary, require the municipality in whose area the land is situated to provide, Roman figure one, access to the building plans of improvements on such land, two, a copy or copies of building plans relating to the land and any improvements and the cost of the valuer or valuers, and Roman figure three, information about municipal property rates or other charges land use rights such as zoning, the availability of engineering services in the possession of the municipality concerning the land which are reasonably required for the valuation of the said land by the valuer. The, furthermore, Chairperson, the changes on sub-5 uh, in light, remember this is refining the process because a lot must now happen during the investigation stage and that is why these, these proposals. Number five will read as thus, unless the information has already been obtained, the expropriating authority must A, deliver a notice to the following persons to provide the names and addresses of all holders of rights in the property known to them as well as particulars of those rights by written reply within 20 days of delivery of the notice. Roman figure one, you deliver to the owner, you deliver a person apparently in charge of the property, you deliver to the holder of a right known to the expropriating authority and the mortgagee, 
the inclusion that was never there, and now they will get the notice as well. And, 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 and subparagraph B, consult if the property is lent with the following, the departments responsible for rural development and land reform, for environmental affairs, for mineral resources, and for water and sanitation, and any other organ of state whose functions and responsibilities will be materially affected by the intended expropriation for the purposes of establishing the existence of and the impact of expropriation on rights therein. Uh, Roman figure B2, the municipality as contemplated in section six, unless the expropriating authority is the municipal council. Then in respect of point 10, Chaperson, it is to address subsection six, which will be changed to read as follows. A person contemplated in subsection two must provide the owner or occupier of the property with a copy of the written authority. Roman figure two, at all times while performing an authorized act, be in possession of the written authority and Roman figure three, provide written identification to the owner or occupier of the property by means of an official identification document. The owner or occupier of the property may refuse entry to the property to a person contemplated in subsection two who fails to comply with paragraph A or may refuse to allow an act contemplated in subsection two. In respect of point 11, it is changes to sub seven. If the property in question is damaged through an act contemplated in subsection two, an affected person may deliver written demand to the expropriating authority and the expropriating authority must repair the damage to a reasonable standard or compensate for the damage without undue delay. In respect of change, amending subsection eight, under clause five, Chaperson, we are at, we are providing this. Any legal proceedings arising out of a claim under subsection seven must comply with the institution of legal proceedings against certain organs of state in terms of the relevant act. And then for purposes of clause clause five and the new process. We are then presenting the additions of these two subsections. Nine, the powers, authority, and obligations conferred or imposed by this section are subject to the laws governing the protection of personal and private information and must be exercised accordingly. This is in line with the, 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 the POPIA Act, Protection of Personal Information, which has come into commencement. And then subsection 10, if the property is not lent, the expropriating authority may authorize a suitably qualified person or valuer to ascertain its suitability and value for determining an amount of com compensation to be offered. These proposal chairperson are in line with the, the members' deliberations and directives that um, the, the 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 investigation stage must be enhanced and be clear in terms of who will be notified and where information may be ascertained during the information 
seeking process while the while the expropriating authority seeks to to make the decision and and confirm the purpose to expropriate it also takes further to ensure the rights of 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 people's privacy and dignity as i indicated there is clause 5 chairperson i thank you Thank you, uh, honorable members. Clause five. Honorable Graham Mare. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, before I uh, start actually talking on clause five, I just wanted to ask when we had the presentation by Advocate Budlender um, and Advocate Naidu from the department. So, this was the department's legal counsel. They proposed a very much more simplified version of the entire process of expropriation, which would have limited the, the time spent on the investigation, on the notice of expropriation, and then on the final expropriation process. So I'd like to know whether or not that's going to be taken into consideration when we, final, when we are finished with this, whether there's going to be some sort of compilation done of the um, recommendations by um, Budland and Associates and the Parliamentary Legal Advisor and the Office of the Chief, Chief State Law Advisor that they can just clarify whether or not they will be looking into that, because I do believe um, that the process as it stands now is very onerous and fairly long-winded, and that we can eliminate a lot of time, effort, and, and trouble if we if we sort of cut out some of the issues. That being said, um, on point point six um, on the on this list deals with um, uh, section five two b. But what I'd like to just go back to section 5.2a of this clause. And in that, one of the things I raised when we were having our discussions that I do believe is quite important is if you look at um, Roman numeral one on that. Okay, so it's not on this, it's on the act itself. It says that um, the people will be able to enter upon the property with the necessary workers, equipment and vehicles at all reasonable times or as may be agreed by the owner or occupier of the property. Now, the issue we had was the use of the word or, because what it said was basically, if it wasn't, a, if, if there wasn't, they didn't need an agreement from the owner for a reasonable time. Um, so if we can just look at that when you, when you take back this to deliberate um, and change the wording from or to and. In other words, even if it is a reasonable time, they must still get permission from the owner of the property to access. It can't just be, well, it is a reasonable time, so now we can just drive onto the property because who determines what's a reasonable time for somebody on their own property? And then also, um, on 7.3, on 7, you're amending 3, um, but if you look at um, 2A, Roman numeral V, which is again on the act and not in this, in this document, it says that insofar as it may be necessary to gain access to the property, enter upon and go across another property with the necessary workers, equipment, and vehicles. And again, there's no requirement for um, the valuer to get permission to access other properties, to access the property in question. Um, so I do think that we still need um, permission to be sought for both of those. Um, and then when it comes to that amendment on seven, um, on your item 7.3, um, that permission must be incorporated into, into the permissions that are required. Um, 
Then on your num on so if you look there, um, if you don't mind, just going up to seven. Yeah, so in the event, so so there with the with the permissions, the written consent of the owner or occupier of the property, then I think we should also include the owner or occupier or whatever of a property adjacent to that property over which they might have to travel in order to gain access. So I think we need to just bring that in there because I, I don't believe you can just have people traversing other people's properties and trying and but you're still getting permission for the, the property that you're valuing on. If we go to eight, um you've got there um under D3, eight. If you can go down to your number eight, please, if you don't mind. 4D3, despite the provisions of any law to the contrary requiring um, the municipality, etc. Um, one of the things I think that should be included there is um, all other information. So information, you've got, you've, you've limited the list in terms of what information is required from the municipality. Um, so it might, it might not be a bad idea just to put in after services um, such as zoning, the availability of engineering services, and then put in there or any other information required um, for, for the assessment. Um, then um, number 10, if we go down to 10, B, um, there. 10B, the owner occupies the property may refuse entry to the to a person contemplated fails to comply with paragraph A or may refuse to allow an act contemplated um, in two. Um, oh, my, my, my question there is on what ground um, may they disallow um, on subsection two? In other words, um, if it pertains to A, then we need to reference that it must be on, on that. Um, but where we're saying or may refuse to allow an act contemplated in subsection two, um, are we um, are we being clear enough as to as to what the grounds are for, for them to disallow? And then um, on 11, seven. The problem here is that it speaks to the property in question being damaged, but it doesn't deal with damages that the owner might sustain as a result of the activity. In other words, if you come on and 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 you um, spending time on my property, and as a result you leave a gate open and all my sheep run out and I lose all my sheep, I've incurred damage and loss as a result of your action, and um, that that doesn't pertain to the land itself. So. What measures can we put in place to ensure that if the, if the person or the owner of the property or the occupier of the property also incurs damage as a result of what has happened? I do believe that that needs to be covered here. Um, and then again, I, I'm concerned about reasonable standard. Um, I think it should be uh, close to the original state or sufficient compensation to restore it. So, um, you know, we don't know who determines what a reasonable standard is, and it could be well below the, the standard that the property was at when the damaging um, occurred. So those would be the only, my only inputs on this. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Graham Murray. Um, 
We have Honorable Shabalala, Honorable Tring, Honorable Matebula. Uh, uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, I'm, I'm covered by the, the, the changes inserted here uh, for the fact that it, it covers even the rights of the owner and also the occupier, because we know that uh, some of the owners may not necessarily be in the country. But safe to say that I'm happy because this uh, clause, the whole clause, Chairperson, uh, also emphasize that this bill is not arbitrary and also it also covered, it also covered, covers any in the, in any other uneventualities that may occur uh, when this uh, process is taking place. Thank you. Um, Honorable Tring. Uh, thank you, Chair. Mine is just a question uh, seeking uh, clarity. Um, section uh, point 12, page 8 from line 43, to omit subsection 8 and to substitute with the following subsection um, 8, any legal proceedings arising out of a claim under subsection 7 must comply with the institution of legal proceedings against certain organs of state act um, and, and that the act is quoted. Uh, in the in the original document, uh, the words um, must comply with the relevant provisions of the institution of legal proceedings. So, just a, a question of clarity: if legal could indicate to us why why was relevant provisions uh, omitted and taken out um, uh, to to read as as it is? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Trink. Um, Honourable Matebola. Thank you very much. Uh, well articulated by uh, Honorable Lizzie uh, that we align ourselves with the advice uh, given uh, by Ms. Pumelele. And uh, it will be frivolous of me uh, to kind of uh, propose any changes. Thank you very much. Thank you, um, honourable members. I think honourable Tring, that one is a it's a legacy hand. <laughs> Can you drop it now, um, Miss Pume. Thank you, Chairperson, and thank you, members. Chairperson, I will only answer two things. The presented uh, proposals herein is 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 a teamwork where also the department and the councils as they as they presented their opinions have also looked into this and so what appears in clause 5 is aligned with what was discussed in the new process it's in addition there of chairperson to answer that question which was raised and then secondly chairperson i think just to address that issue on on, on sub 8 which is, is, is flighted right now. 
it's again just removing redundancy because an act is relevant in all of its provisions entirely. So to say relevant in any case, when you bring litigation or you do something, you will be quoting the relevant and, and, and necessary section. So we are just making reference to, reference to the whole act as, as such. Um, on the other questions, Chaperson, we will, we will take it on board and just do the necessary corrections where it must be, and also extending the permissions to the adjacent houses as well. We will look into the wording and phrase in what is outstanding, if there's anything outstanding. Thank you, Chairperson. That will be my input in light of the questions that are raised on close five. Can I then go to close six? Mm -hmm. Sorry, Chairperson, I don't see that I'm talking to myself. I was muted. On clause six, Chairperson, <sighs> my things are all over. Clause six, Chairperson, is the clause that was addressing consultation processes during the investigations. So clause five, it's still within the, 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 the stage one of investigation. And in subsection one, we are suggesting that it looks as follows when considering whether to expropriate land and expropriating authority must, if not already established, make a written request to the municipal manager of the municipality where the land is situated to explain how the contemplated expropriation would affect municipal planning. This is to increase cooperation and involvement of the necessary government structures. And then in respect of number two, Chaperson, for purposes of paragraph D, we are suggesting that that such other details as the operating authority may deem necessary be removed because we've covered um, all that elsewhere. And then for number three, to omit subsection three and present the new following one, the municipal manager must deliver a written response to the request contemplated in subsection one within 20 days of receipt or within a reasonable time to be agreed between the expropriating authority and municipal manager. This again to bring in the principle of reasonable time and avoid delays and therefore setting the time frame or an agreement if the need that the time be extended to what they initially agreed on. So this is just clarifying on clause six in light of the new investigation process that is beefed up. Chairperson, there is clause six. Thank you. Honourable members, clause six, honourable grandmother. Just a minor, a minor question is in terms of that last section um, for the municipalities. Um, what, what is the um, 
the sanction for non-adherence. I mean, it, you know, we, we're saying we're giving them 20 days, we're saying a reasonable time, but what happens if they just ignore any written requests and they just don't comply? Um, and I mean, that could have a material effect on the outcome of their deliberations. So I just do believe that at some point we have to address non-adherence because believe me, I know that there are municipalities that don't comply with requests. Thank you. Okay, uh, I think I think that that question is a it's a straight question that uh, requires an answer, Ms. Pume. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, there are existing legal framework. Um, if need be, we may reference to them. For an example, the Intergovernmental Relations Framework Act. It does identify what and how things should be dealt with within the structures of government. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, and, and in the absence of hands, I think uh, many members agree with the uh, all the changes in this clause. Then let's go to clause seven. Thank you, Chairperson. Clause seven is on the actual intention to expropriate now. Um, and so what we are presenting in respect of clause seven, sub one, the serving of notice, A would have to read as follows, seven notice of intention to expropriate on the owner. We're bringing in those new parties that were not involved, Modgate G and holder of a right known to it at the time. And on point two, it will be consequential changes that are taking place in light of what is, is, is proposed, Chairperson. And then in subsection two of clause seven, we are proposing in light of all the deliberations and discussions with the councils and the department that it reads as follows. A notice of intention to expropriate must include A, a statement of the intention to expropriate the property, a full description of the property, a short description of the purpose for which the property is required, the address at which documents detailing the purpose of the expropriation may be inspected, and at which particulars of the purpose may be obtained during business hours, if the reason for the intended expropriation of that particular property, F, the intended future date of expropriation and where the expropriation is for temporary use of the property in the future, the intended period of such temporary use, the future date on which the expropriating authority intends to take possession of the property, an invitation to any person who may be affected by the intended expropriation to lodge with the expropriating authority within 30 days after the publication of the said notice, any objections to the intended expropriation, any submissions relating to the intended expropriation, a postal address, email address, or first mail number for the expropriating authority to communicate with that person, and the preference of official language for further written communication. The names of the recipients of the notice and their interests in the property, a directive to the owner, Mortgagee, and a holder of a right contemplated in subsection 1A to deliver within 30 days of service of the notice, a written list of the names and addresses of any holders of rights, 
other than those listed and particulars of those rights of which the recipient is aware. An offer of compensation which the expropriating authority considers just and equitable and an explanation of how the amount was arrived at with reference to the supporting information. A statement that the expropriating authority may adjust the amount of compensation under sections 10 and 11 if a holder of a right of whom the expropriating authority had no prior knowledge later claims compensation. And M, a statement drawing attention to sections 14, 16, 21, 25, and 27 of this bill. On page 9, it's a consequential change that will take place there. And then for number 5, we are suggesting that B, be rephrased to read as follows. The municipal manager of the municipality where the property is situated, unless the expropriating authority is actually the municipal council themselves. On number six, we're proposing a substituted subsection four to read as follows. A person responding to a notice contemplated in subsection one must A, deliver to the expropriating authority a written statement within 30 days of the service or publication of the notice. Roman figure one, stating whether he or she accepts the offer of compensation, requesting further particulars under section 16, making a counter offer under section four, under section 14, or disputing the amount of, of compensation offered under section 21. B, if the property is land, Give the name and address of the lessee whose unregistered lease of the whole or part of the property was concluded before the notice was issued, together with the lease or a certified copy. Roman figure two. Give the name and address of the buyer to whom the property was sold but not yet transferred before the notice was issued, together with the contract of purchase and sale or certified copy. Roman figure three, give the name and address of the builder who erected a building on the property in terms of a written building contract and holds a builder's lien along with the building contract or a certified copy. And C, the state, I mean, state the address at which further documents in connection with the expropriation may be sent and the preferred language of communication. In respect of point seven, we suggest that sub five reads as follows. The expropriating authority must consider the statements contemplated in subsection four in deciding whether to proceed with the expropriation of the property. And then sub six to look as follows. The expropriating authority must decide whether to accept or reject any counter offer within 20 days of receipt of the statement contemplated in subsection four. And then in respect of subsection seven, we also propose this change. The expropriating authority may decide to expropriate the property after the amount of compensation has been agreed with the owner, mortgagee or holder of a right or approved or decided by a court subject to section 21.8. And this aligns with the section 25 provisions and the deliberations that the committee had. For 7B, 
If the expropriating authority decides to expropriate, it must serve a notice of expropriation in terms of Section 8.1 within a reasonable time or not to expropriate, it must inform the owner, the mortgagee or holder of a right accordingly in writing within a reasonable time and must publish a notice in the Gazette of his or her decision not to proceed in terms of Section 24.2. This is to keep abreast and ensure that the public is alerted at every stage of what the decision in respect of the investigations and deciding to expropriate would be. That is close seven chairperson on the notices. I thank you. Thank you, Ms. Kume. Honorable members, close seven. Uh, Honorable Kamare, we'll start with you. Thank you very much. Um, Ms. Pumalele, I'd just like to commend you on an excellent um, amendment here. I think I think this clause is fantastic. You can scroll right down back down to number eight on your on your list. The only the only issue my one concern was whether or not um, the deliberations around the compensation should happen at this point or they should actually happen within the investigation phase. And that's obviously something that still needs to be weighed up whether or not the investigation, by the time the investigation phases over, over the notice of, of um, expropriation should actually almost have been, um, have resolved the compensation issue. But I'm happy with the way that it's been processed in this. My only question is on eight, if you look at um, subsection six, the expropriating authority must decide whether to expect, accept or reject any counter offer within 20 days of receipt of the statement contemplated in subsection four. That statement in subsection four is, um, sorry, I just wanted to check my notes quickly. Um, subsection four is the person responding to the notice contemplated in subsection four. I think I think we must just re remove that subsection four and just say um, um, within 20 days of receipt of the statement. Um, I can't remember now why I said that. And the problem was to decide whether to accept or reject any counter offer in subsection four. I apologize. I don't know why I've said this. Um, a written statement, the property, state the address. Oh, subsection four um, oh, does deal with a counter offer. All right. I apologize. Please forgive me. I don't understand the note I made here. So um, just forgive me for that, for wasting your time. But otherwise, um, I think it's an um, excellent addition to the to the the bill as a whole. So thank you very much. Thank you, Honourable Prime Honourable Matebula. Yeah, thank you very much, Chair. Um, Chair, under <coughs> point uh, uh, three, Chair. Chair, I, I want to first uh, start by saying that generally we. We, we agree, except with the section uh, uh, from the eighties, as this requires some discussion. <clears throat> the, the the requirement chair, will make it uh, difficult and prove cumbersome um, and prove cumbersome uh, for the expropriating authority to explain how the amount was arrived with reference to supporting information. Now the question will be still will still uh, arise, Chair. Uh, how do you provide with reference to supporting information? An offer 
made uh, 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 to the expropriated owner based on a on a just and equitable uh, compensation as per the constitution chair uh, close uh, section 25. it is not by making any reference to the constitution and uh, case law uh, chair now chair i want to also move to say that um, uh, under point six, say, on the A list, say, we disagree with the amendment based on the counter offer and agree with the single process where the counter offer is made in relation to the process in the bill. So we have uh, previously in our said that uh, um, we don't want a process that is going to be prolonged. Uh, unnecessary, where we can use the bill uh, to make the process to be shorter uh, in order to deal with the issues of uh, this particular bill or any expropriation that is to take place in a manner that is faster so that we get off these things off our table in a manner that is going to assist both the expropriating authority and the expropriated um, the owner of the property. So it should be checked. Uh, I want to thank you on that one, Chair. And uh, Chair, I must indicate that uh, I am full, I'm in full agreement with all other uh, recommendation and advices given to, to the committee. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable uh, Matebula. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, I wish to align myself with the uh, contribution by Honorable Matsabula. Uh, safe to say that, uh, Chair, uh, we need to remember that the information and the technical uh, know-how as to how the the who is responsible for evaluating the the property lies with the valuer, and um, as given uh, as as the powers given to them in this bill, so I I think it will be a contradiction to ask the uh, the authority to come up with the details or the the details as to how they 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 arrive at at a particular uh, uh, value. Thank you. But but I I know I know that chairperson, in some of the instances, because this is not the first time we're dealing with the expropriation. In some of the the the, the cases in the past, even with the land affairs, the valuer is the one that is in charge, but the the court is open and the constitution allows even the owner to to appoint his or her own a uh, uh, valuer to 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 uh, contest the, the 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 issue thank you
Over to you, Ms. Puma and, and Advocate Fadbrede. Thank you, Jefferson. Indeed, I, I think Advocate Van Breda may take this one, except for me, maybe just um, noting that this was teamwork. We've all worked together into this proposal uh, as the support structure from the Department State Law Advisor and myself, as well as the second the second question, Jefferson, I wanted to take. I think in respect of um, providing reasons and the explanation, I think in, in terms of the questions of the counter offer, the whole process is built in Chaperson to ensure that when the expropriating authority as the decision maker will make a decision, they will have all the information at hand. And that is why the investigation stages and the processes of requesting information they will have collated and obtained this information, hence in line with the Administrative Justice Act and Section 33, the, 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 the manner we have proposed this, that they will be in a position to explain how the decision was arrived at, because in line with our legal framework, the decision is supposed to be having justifications or reasons as per the decision maker who makes an adverse decision against another person or their rights. Um, that is just the, 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 the two that I thought maybe it's an input I can make on, on generally what is raised in Clause 7, Chairperson. Advocate Van Breda may add. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Um, there wasn't really a, another question that was raised. Um, I would just like to, to add to to what Ms. Ngema has said, um, in respect of the concern that the expropriating authority would now have to provide supporting documentation. It is the authority which, which would in fact instruct the, the, the valuer. So that supporting documentation would then be obtained from, from, from how the, the evaluation was, was determined. So, I don't see that that would be a, a, a difficulty. Thank you, Chair. Let's go to the next class. Thank you, Chaperson. It is clause eight. Um, um, if maybe with the permission of the Chaperson, we had agreed with uh, Advocate Van Breda that I would move probably until close 11 and he takes over the Chaperson nature is calling if I can just get two minutes and he, he takes through close eight if that won't be an issue. Um, and then I'll quickly come back and, and, and continue chair with your permission, please. Okay. Advocate Van Breda. Advocate, um, I don't know what happened, Jefferson. Let me let me continue. So long. Um, we are on clause eight, which is on the notice of expropriation. What is happening there, Jefferson? 
in terms of subsection one of clause eight, if the expropriating authority decides to expropriate the property, the expropriating authority must cause a notice of expropriation to be served on the expropriated owner, mortgagee and expropriated holder in their preferred language. In respect of subsection two, we are proposing the following. The expropriating authority must cause a copy of the notice of expropriation to A, be published in accordance with section 24.1 sub C or two, be delivered to a known holder of a right whose rights are not expropriated, and see if the property is land delivered to the Roman figure one, municipal manager of the municipality where the property is situated, unless the expropriating authority is the municipal council. Roman figure two, deliver that to the director general responsible for rural development, land reform, environmental affairs, mineral resources, and for water and sanitation, and the accounting authority of any other organ of state whose functions and responsibilities will be materially affected by the intended expropriation. Three, if the expropriating authority is the executive authority of one of the departments or organs of state referred to in subparagraph two, delivery of the notice to the director general of the department or accounting officer of that organ of state is not required. Roman figure four, a mortgagee if the land is encumbered by a registered mortgage bond. Number five, on the buyer if the property is subject to contract contemplated in section 74B, Roman figure two, and Roman figure six, on the builder if a building on the property is subject to a lien contemplated in section 74B3. Then the rest, three and four chairperson, three will be a consequential correction that is necessary. And in respect of point four, we are seeking to substitute Roman, Roman figure two, which will read as follows, where the expropriation applies to a right in land, a description of the approximate area and position of the land that will be subjected to the rights. And then subparagraph E also chairperson to be reviewed and read as such. The future date of expropriation or where the expropriation is for the temporary use of the property in the future, the intended period of such temporary use must be included. And then F, the future date on which the right of possession of the property will pass to the expropriating authority after expropriation. And G also to, to be substituted to read, subject to section 22, the amount of compensation agreed upon or approved or decided by a court under section 21. Again, Chairperson, this will be consequential changes due to what we have done. Uh, and then I go straight to read on point nine, sub four, the notice of expropriation served as contemplated in subsection one must be accompanied by documents detailing the following. A, the date or date on which the expropriating authority proposes to pay the compensation and any interest payable in respect thereof in terms of section 13. B, 
where the expropriation applies to a portion of a land parcel, a survey diagram, or a sketch plan showing the approximate position of such portion in relation to the whole. C, where the expropriation applies to a writing land, a survey diagram or sketch plan on which the approximate position of the writing land on such land is indicated, unless the writing land is accurately described without such survey diagram or sketch plan. An explanation of how the amount of compensation was arrived at, together with supporting documents, a statement that the expropriating authority may adjust of compensate may adjust compensation if a holder of a right of whom the expropriating authority had no prior knowledge before the compensation was agreed on or approved or decided by a court on later claims for compensation. This will assist Chaperson when there are unknown claims or claimant that come so that the expropriating authority is enabled with the power to do the necessary. F, a statement drawing the attention of the expropriated owner, expropriated holder, or any other affected person to the provisions of section 27. And then sub five will also be proposed substitution to read. If the property expropriated is land, the expropriated owner must deliver or cause to be delivered to the expropriating authority subject to section 25, which is about discussing extensions of time within 30 days of the expropriating authority requesting the title deed to such land or if it is not in his or her possession or under his or her control, written particulars of the name and address of the person in whose possession or under whose control the title deed is. B, the person referred to in paragraph A, in whose position the title deed may be, must deliver or cause to be delivered the title deed in question to the expropriating authority within 20 days of the expropriating authority requesting it subject to section 25. That is clause eight proposals, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Ms. Pume. Yeah, our chairperson, you know, I'm always going to have something to say. Huh? Um, all right, section two um, of your of your item, just under B, um, I find that 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 little phrase delivered to a known holder of a right whose rights are not expropriated isn't as clear as it could be. Um, if, if, I think it's a little bit unwieldy. And then if you look at under C, V, Roman numeral V and Roman numeral V1, these are just, I'm sorry, these are just corrections in terms of, of grammar. Um, you just need to remove the on from the two, the, those two, because you're saying you're delivering two, and then it says on the buyer and on the builder. If you just remove the on from V and VR. Um, and then also on nine, this, this, that, yeah, that one, and and on on the next one, <laughs> VI as well, on the boulder, yeah. Sorry, I know these are these are sort of small small corrections. And then you go down to nine. Sorry, sorry, chair, just down to nine. Okay. Nine E. Um. 
there. It says a statement that the expropriating authority may adjust of compensation. Just that of seems to be um, incorrect within that within that sentence. But otherwise, I think it's a um, it's an excellent it's an excellent clause. Thank you very much for the amazing work that has gone into it. Honorable Matebula, Honorable Fanskalvik. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, well, uh, I just want to check the basis uh, on which, uh, you know, uh, the deletion uh, took place of uh, this section um, uh, on page 11. Uh, from page nine and the, uh, the deletion of um, uh, paragraph F, Chair. Uh, I just want to check as to what is the rationale behind this deletion, because, Chair, uh, you know, under normal circumstances, it's not that we will always agree uh, with the expropriated owner in terms of uh, the compensation of a particular property. And in an event that uh, one cannot agree in terms of the compensation that we want to give, uh, for instance, in this particular instance, uh, to, to the expropriated uh, owner, the owner has got constitutional rights to challenge uh, the compensation that we are giving to him or her. Now, if you are deleting this, now it's like constitutionally, you are taking the rights of the owner away from the owner to challenge you uh, on the compensation that you are making towards him. Because you must remember that uh, uh, as, they, as you approach them, they also have got their own way of determining as to how much are they, is their property worth. Now, if you are going to give them below what their property is worth, then they have every right to, to, to approach the competent court or any, uh, you know, forum which by law uh, is referred to and uh, to be approached by uh, the expropriated owner uh, in terms of this bill. Now, if you do this and you remove this part uh, or this paragraph, in, in, in my view is that uh, it is becoming problematic. Uh, otherwise, uh, all of what has been um, alluded here as per advice, um, I, I fully agree with. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, I, I... I've had a discussion with Honorable Matabula on, on this issue, Chairperson, and I I think uh, he's, he's referring actually to page 11 from line 40, uh, uh, which seeks to omit paragraph H. And that's where we need to understand the basis of this deletion, uh, a Chairperson which uh, speaks to the amount of compensation in dispute, is disputed a statement that the expropriated owner 
may institute proceedings in a competent court to dispute the amount of compensation or request that the expropriating authority commence such court proceedings within 180 days of the date of expropriation, which time period may be extended by the court on good cause shown. So if we can have that uh, a basis of deletion of, of, of that paragraph H. Thank you, Chairperson. Over to you, Ms. Pumalele and Advocate Van Breda. Thank you, Chairperson. I appreciate uh, Madam Skalvik clarifying that because I was really so lost. Chaperson, uh, this is solely done because of the enhance, enhancement into clause seven and, 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 and the new provisions as was stated in light of the new process and the enhancement that will take place because all of this would then have taken place during that negotiation stage. We haven't just taken it out to abandon it, but it's been taken care of at the earlier stage um, in respect of the new process that that was defined, Jefferson. I hope that suffice as an answer to that question. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair, I'd just like to, to add to, to what the Parliament Advisor has said um, in respect of uh, paragraph H, the omission thereof. Um, Chair, the, the, real, the reason we, we're really omitting that is, as Pumaledi said, is, is due to, to the amendments we are bringing in um, in the earlier clauses. Um, essentially, it's because we are, the proposal is that um, compensation will now be determined prior to expropriation. So that is why that particular paragraph will no longer fit in, in, in the clause or the subclause, and also regarding the uh, a dispute in respect of compensation, etc. There is still clause twenty one, which does um, uh, provide owners and holders as well as mortgagees with the right to to dispute um, an, an intended uh, expropriation or also a, approach a court for 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 relief check. Thank you. Um, I, I, I hope, uh, Honorable Matevula, you are clearly covered. Um, Honorable Matevula? Yes, sir, I am, I am clarified. Sir. If it is accommodated okay. somewhere in the bill, instead of taking it away altogether, but as it is clarified, I think it does suffice. Okay. Thank you, Honorable Matebola. And then let's go to clause nine. Thank you, Chairperson. <clears throat> Clause nine is the one on vesting. 
how the property once expropriated will be vested and possession taken thereof. It's we are on page twelve, Jefferson, um, and in respect of clause nine one a, we suggest that it will read the effect of an expropriating expropriation of property is that a subject to paragraph C and D, the ownership of the property described in the notice of expropriation vests in the expropriating authority or in the person on whose behalf the property was expropriated, as the case may be on the date of expropriation. Um, C and D, Chaperson, as subjected there, we will also point out how it's been reviewed, but we felt that they are relevant to add to this. Um, and then on point two, again, Chaperson here are consequential necessary changes. On point three, this is now the C and D and how they will be substituted. For C, we are saying in the case of a right to use property temporarily, the expropriating authority or the person on whose behalf the property was expropriated may, as from the date of expropriation, exercise that right for its duration. D, with the exception of a mortgage, the property remains subject to all registered rights in favor of dead parties with which the property was burdened prior to expropriation unless or until such registered rights are expropriated from the holder. And then in respect of point four, to address the issue of dates as spoken when we were doing the definitions, we are saying in E, the date of expropriation may not be before the date of service of the notice of expropriation. Again, five is just a consequential change that clarifies the, the context. And number six, sub three, must read as follows in light of all the other changes. The expropriated owner or expropriated holder who is in possession of the property consent must take all reasonable steps to maintain the property from the date of expropriation to the date referred to in subsection two or four. B, the expropriating authority may recover any amount of, depre of depreciation caused by the willful or negligent failure of an expropriated owner or the expropriated holder to maintain the property. The appropriating authority must compensate the expropriated owner or expropriated holder for costs necessarily incurred after the date of the expropriation in respect of such maintenance. On point seven, it deals with substituting subs for if the expropriated owner or expropriated holder wishes to transfer the right to possession of the property before the date contemplated in 8.3.F, but the expropriating authority does not agree, the expropriated owner or expropriated holder may pass the right to possession to the expropriating authority by giving prior written notice of at least 20 days. This is to allow for standoffs chairperson and enable the notification and parties to find one another. In respect of sub five, the expropriated owner or expropriated holder 
who is in possession of the property from the date of expropriation to the date referred to in subsection 2b remains a entitled to the use of and the income from the expropriated property and b responsible for the municipal property rates taxes levies and other charges and normal operating cost in respect of the expropriated property this one Chaperson seeks to align and explain the questions that were raised in respect of clause 19 and the standing issues on municipal rates and the transfer of properties but also keeping in mind what was explained in respect of transferring the property and how transfer is not necessarily linked to the processes of expropriation. This is clause 10, Chaperson. This is clause 9, Chaperson, with the proposals that are placed in respect of possession and vesting once the property has been expropriated. Thank you. I don't know whether it's a legacy hand or a new hand. Uh, it's a legacy hand. Okay, okay, okay. In the absence of any hand in clause nine, uh, I think let's then move to clause 10. Chair, there are no amendments to clause 10. Uh, we would have to move on to clause 11. Thank you. And, and I believe that it's you, uh, Advocate Sandra, who's going to take us from clause 11. Yes. Yes. Um, if, if I'm able to, to share my screen, please, because I have made a few highlights on the on the amendments on the A-list chair, if I'm able to do that. Because I see that the host has disabled my screen sharing. It's been enabled, now you can carry on. Thank you. Chair, can you see my screen? It's visible, Sean. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair, the, the yellow highlights on the A-list, um, it's just an aid because it, um, it highlights the proposed insertions, additions, or deletions made to the text. So clause 11, Chair, which is on page 13 of, of the bill, provides for the consequences of expropriation of unregistered rights and duties of an expropriating authority. Now, subclause one is, there's an, a minor amendment in subclause one merely substitutes the reference to an expropriated holder of an unregistered right in a property with a person who becomes an expropriated holder. So the the purpose of the amendment um, is made as, as an expropriated holder refers to the holder of an unregistered right which has been expropriated. So 
that is just the that is just for for purposes of of uh, more appropriate language in in terms of legislative practice. Uh, the next amendment, Chair, comes to subclause three C at number two. Now, Chair, the subclause three paragraph C currently provides that the notice and expropriating authority must serve upon an expropriated holder in terms of subclause two, must request a copy of any written instrument in which the unregistered right is contained. Now the amendment substitutes the reference to a written statement which contains an unregistered right with a copy a copy of a written statement which evidences the unregistered right. So this provides just further clarity. So there are no substantive amendments to, to Clause 11 G. Thank you. Honourable members, uh, any comments on Clause 11? No problem, Mara. I don't, I don't have comments on clause 11 as, as such, but I just wanted to check on clause 10, if, if they can just make a note, um, because we didn't discuss clause 10, I just wanted to raise it very quickly. Clause 10 and subsection 6 speaks to the fact that the expropriating authority may require the expropriated owner to compensate a person who held an unregistered right. I'm still not entirely sure if, if they can... Um, force an expropriated owner to, to do that. So it's just something that we need to just bear in mind going forward. But um, other than that, I'm, I'm happy with the amendments to clause 11 as presented. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Honorable Grammar. Um, there's another hand, Honorable Van Skalweg. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I haven't uh, said anything on Clause 9, but but I'm agreeing with, with the amendments that's been proposed. Uh, and also in terms of, of, of Clause, I mean Clause 10 and 11. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Van Skalweg. Um, Honorable Van Breda, I don't think there are any much questions, but you can respond. Gee, I don't know if, if I missed anything. I didn't pick up um, any of the questions. There was only the, the, um, the suggestion in respect of clause 10. I know there aren't any amendments on the A-list. And, 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 and no amendments on, on, on yeah. clause 10, and it's not even here. Yeah, so okay. think, uh, we can we can consider what, what has been raised, but um, I know there uh, aren't any real questions in respect of uh, clause 11. Can we then go to clause 12? Uh, I think Honorable Van Skalweg uh, has indicated that uh, 
she fully supports the, the, the amendments made in clause 11. I think let's go to clause 12. The clause 12 provides for the determination of compensation and an amendment is proposed to subclause one, uh, which proposes the omission of the words uh, to be paid to an expropriated owner or expropriated holder. Now, the wording being omitted is 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 unnecessary though the word in itself is not necessary because this is implied in the subclause and the proposed amendment further brings the subclause in line with section 25.3 of the constitution um share, we can move to the next amendment The next amendment is the proposed addition of paragraph F to subclause 3, which adds another instance where null compensation may be offered. Now, the proposed paragraph F provides that null compensation may be paid where the property is expropriated for a new purpose in terms of section 23, and compensation has already been paid. Now, we'll still get to clause 23, Che. Um, that is a brand new clause because the existing clause 23 is completely substituted. Um, it is a clause which the department has, has proposed the insertion of, and that clause was also, or rather the, the gist of the clause was presented by the department's council at the previous meeting, and it was also addressed in their supplementary opinion. So we'll deal with that clause further when, when, when we get to it. Um, essentially, Chair, this instance concerns property which has already been expropriated and where compensation has already been paid. However, the, the purpose for which the property was expropriated would have to change. Um, that, that is now when we deal with clause 23, thus requiring an expropriating authority to institute fresh expropriation proceedings. Therefore, null compensation is offered in this instance. Um, a further amendment chairs proposed in clause 12 uh, is the addition of subclause 5, uh, which provides that if the property is land, the expropriating authority must consider the amount of outstanding municipal property rates, taxes, levies, and charges relating to the property when making an offer of just and equitable uh, compensation. Now, Chair, the, the addition of this subclause is proposed to provide that um, the outstanding municipal rates, taxes, and charges must be considered in quantifying an amount of just and equitable compensation as such costs will be paid from the compensation money in terms of clause 19. Uh, you'll see when we get there that, that it deals with that, uh, which will be, yeah, that, that is in accordance with an amendment to clause 19. Um, thank you, Chair, that's clause 12. Honorable members, clause 12. Honorable Graham Murray. 
Thank you, Chairperson. Um, I'd like to record that um, we still believe that Section 12.3 is unconstitutional in that um, it um, is nothing short of a mechanism to amend the Constitution via ordinary legislation. Um, so we will obviously be objecting to that going forward. Um, but be that as it may, the proposal of the, um, the new clause being inserted um, for property with a new purpose, um, if in the event that we cannot get clause 12.3 12, uh, 12 removed, um, then that, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's, it's a very valid um, reason for the um, proposal of um, um, in, inserting that into the, into the um the amendments. Thank you very much. I don't see any other hands, uh, honourable members, on on, on, on this clause twelve. Yes. I have my hand, sir. So, oh, um, okay. Okay. And and honourable Fanskalvi. Thank you. Okay, sir. Thanks, uh, Chair. On clause 12, Chair, um, uh, under alias page 14, Chair, Chair um, I think this uh, changes uh, that have uh, been uh, proposed here, uh, they, they kind of not make a, a, you know, sense or maybe a bit problematic, Chair. So that's uh, the proposed formulation in the A list. That's uh, it's it's not clear, uh, and it will make uh, the reading of the clause uh, to be unclear or ambiguous. Uh, so as such, the um, as such, uh, the formulation provided that makes it legally possible for the expropriation um, authority not to incur costs in an event that the expropriated owner fails to comply with section uh, 14, subsection 1. Um, now, Chair, in dealing with the compensation claim. That is uh, one matter, Chair. Then the other matter is, uh, yeah, well, under clause 12, uh, Chair, uh, I think that's one matter that I wanted to raise. Thank you. Honorable Fans Thank you, Chairperson. I would like to reiterate, Chairperson, in terms of uh, uh, page 15 after line 14, the, uh, which the following paragraph is being added, uh, where the property is expropriated for a new purpose in terms of section 23 and compensation has already been paid, which refers to no compensation clause. Uh, and also the additional clause on page 15, after line 18 to add the following subsection, if the property is land, the expropriating authority must consider the amount of outstanding municipal rates, taxes, and charges relating to the property when making an offer of just and equitable compensation. I would like to reiterate, Chairperson, 
that uh, I strongly agree with the proposals that has been made in that uh, two clauses. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you, honorable members. Um, over to you, uh, Ms. Pume and uh, Advocate Van Breda. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I think that uh, what, what I picked up um, from, from the query, the only query I could really pick up on, unless I'm mistaken, is in respect of um, paragraph one uh, on the A-list under in respect of clause 12, the omission of the words to be paid to an expropriated owner or expropriated holder. Uh, Chair, the, the omission of those words is not, it's, it's inconsequential really, um, because it's, it's implied. Um, there's nothing really wrong with, with leaving the, the wording in, but it, it, it would seem that it, it's repetitive because subclause one provides that the amount of compensation to be paid to an expropriated owner or holder must be just and equitable reflecting an equitable balance between the public interest and the interests of the expropriated owner or expropriated holder in regard to all relevant circumstances. So it's really implied um, with regards that that payment would be made to, to the owner and holder or holder. Um, but we, we can take that under consideration as to whether that the wording should not be omitted. Um, that's all from me, unless Pumilele has something to, to add. Thank you, Chairperson. I think for me here, it is just to point out that when we get to clause 23, the new one, the questions that are raised and concerns relating here may perhaps become clear and we will deal with it when, when we get to that clause. So as not to, 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 to put a, 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 a cut before the horse and not to confuse members. We will cover the questions raised here in when we deal with section, the proposed section 23, Chaperson, if that is okay. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and hoping that the, the proposed is still a proposed. <clears throat> uh, Indeed, Chaperson. The proposed, the proposed, the proposed <laughs> clause is still a proposal. <laughs> we know because this issue of referring to something that has not been there before and it's coming in, but okay, we will meet there. Um, then let's go to clause 14. Chair, you will note that um, clause 14 uh, is rejected in its entirety. Um, the existing clause provides for compensation claims and the clause is being deleted and substituted as the current clause is based on offers of compensation to be made after expropriation. And as um, previously mentioned the bill has been amended to provide that compensation must be finalized prior to expropriation. Um, 
Moving on to now, this is the new clause which is being proposed that is in respect of counter offers. Now, the counter offers now that was first discussed in, uh, in respect of the amendments to clause seven, which which Pumalela has discussed. Um, now, clause 14.1, perhaps I'll, I will just read it, Chair. Uh, well, before I, I go ahead and read it, um, the, the subclause provides that an owner, mortgagee, or a holder of a right may make a counter offer for the amount of compensation offered by the expropriating authority. So the, the proposed subclause one reads as follows. An owner, mortgagee, or a holder of a right who receives a notice of intention to expropriate in terms of section 7.1 and wishes to make a counter offer for an amount of compensation must state the amount of compensation claimed, furnish full particulars of how that amount has been arrived at, including any valuation report, other professional report or other document that forms the basis of the compensation claimed. If the property expropriated is land, furnish full particulars of improvements on the land that in the opinion of the owner or the holder affect the value of that land and the effect of any known unregistered rights on the value of the land and a copy of any written instrument evidencing or giving effect to an unregistered right in their control and provide such information and documentation as the minister may prescribe including for making electronic payment or compensation. And clause 14.2 provides that the proposed provisions of the new subclause one also apply to urgent expropriations in terms of clause 22. Uh, that's clause 14 G. Thank you very much. Honorable Shabalala, Thank you very much, Chairperson. I would like to uh, clearly say, Chairperson, in terms of Clause 14, we are disagreeing and agree with the original formulation in the initial draft bill. So this uh, counter offers and the uh, clause 14 as it's been uh, standing now, we are rejecting it in its totality. And we agree once more with the original formulation in the initial draft bill. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I align myself with the contribution by the Honourable Member Van Skalvik that you stick to the original um, uh, section of the bill. Uh, I think it's sufficient and it also uh, covers the ground. It, it doesn't negate the, the prescripts of the Constitution. Thank you. It's a job, Chairperson. Hey, you will come after Honorable Graham Murray. Okay. Honorable Graham Murray. 
Uh, Chairperson, I'd like to conversely um, support the inclusion of the new clause. Um, I believe that in line with the rest of the way the formulated and um, the bill has been formulated, um, this makes absolute sense. Um, I think it fairly represents the rights of everybody involved in the issue, um, and, and I definitely believe that, that it should be retained um, as proposed. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chaperson. I like to to align myself with uh, Honorable Shabalala to on the issue of reject the this new version uh, to go to the the last version of the bill, the first version. Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Honorable Members. Uh, there are no questions on this one. Uh, Advocate Van Breda. Oh, Honorable Trink. Uh, Honorable Trink, yes. Thank you. No, thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair, no, I just also want to place on record um, our support uh, for the new clause and also our sense that this new clause ought to be retained. Thank you, Chair. Um, Advocate Van Prada and, and, Pumele, and Pumelele, uh, we have received, I, I think, uh, if we can say, uh, as much as we are members of this committee, but we are also representatives of the political parties that sent us to Parliament and the people of South Africa. So from what we have been hearing uh, now, is that uh, the ANC does not support this new uh, Clause 14. They would go with the one that was in the original draft bill. And, and uh, Honorable Tring, ACTP, and Honorable um, um, Graham Marathi, they are saying they are with this. this is, I think this is one of those clauses that we are going to vote for it. Uh, and see uh, which one do we go with. So I don't think there are any there are any explanations and all that. We then go to um, close the next loss. Okay. Um. You will see that clause 15, we are also omitting um, in its entirety for the same reason that clause 14 uh, has been omitted. That is because um, the clause provides for compensation after expropriation, and that is not in line with, with the amendments now uh, proposed to the bill. So, the, the clause is, is therefore omitted, and the subsequent clauses are therefore renumbered. Uh, thank you, Chair, and that's, that's clause 15. Then let's go to clause 16. Thank you, Chair. Clause 16, Chair of the Bill, provides for requests for further for particulars and offers. Now, Clause 16, Subclause 1, 
Um, you'll see what I've highlighted is, 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 is what's amended there in subclause one. Um, it's amended to provide that a mortgagee may also request further particulars from an expropriating authority uh, about an offer of compensation and that the expropriating authority may in turn request further particulars from an owner, mortgagee, and holder of a right in respect of a counter offer. Chair clause 16.2 is virtually identical to the existing subclause 2, which provides that a party may be compelled to provide the requested particulars by means of a court order. There's just minor amendments in respect of, of, of language, but nothing substantive. Clause 16.3, Chair, is also virtually identical to the existing subclause 3, but now includes that an offer of compensation as well as a counter offer will remain in force in, in the, those listed instances there, uh, being paragraphs A, B, and C. Um, so that is clause 16, Chair. Thank you. Honourable members, Honourable uh, Trink, is it a legacy hand or a new hand? I apologise, legacy chair. <laughs> okay. Honourable um, Graham Murray, Honourable Franz Galvig. Um, Chairperson, I'd just like to say that I, that I support the inclusion of the new clause 16. Thank you very much. Honorable Franz Kalveig. Thank you, Chairperson. I have a, a slightly uh, amended uh, uh, view on, on this clause. Uh, when referring to page 16 from line 40 to omit subsections 1 uh, and 2 and 3 and to substitute uh, with, with, with uh, the indicated subsections. Chairperson, I would agree with uh, one and two, but I would disagree with the third one due to the counter offer. The third one, which uh, relates to an offer of just and equitable compensation and a counter offer remain in force until. So that is the one that I'm rejecting and not disagreeing and disagreeing on. But on the uh, one and two, I'm totally in agreement in terms of clause 16. Thank you very much, person. It's a new hand now, Honorable Trink. Uh, yes, Chair, it, it, is a, it is a new hand. Um, just, just wish to indicate that um, as the ACDP, we uh, support uh, the clauses with, with the substitutions uh, one, two, and three uh, in totality. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, um, Honorable Trink. Um, I think even in this one, there are no questions. It's just saying that uh, 
we are agreeing with this, we are disagreeing with this as the political parties. So all this where we are agreeing and disagreeing, we are going to vote for them, um, honourable members, uh, that must be noted clearly. I think the issue of the counter-offer, the ANC has been clear from the very start when that word was, <clears throat> excuse me, was introduced, that they are disagreeing with that. So that is why you will see when any, when it comes, we will disagree seriously. I think let's go to the next clause. Chair, you will note that there is only a minor amendment to clause 17 being uh, an amendment to the heading, uh, which will now read payment of compensation as opposed to payment of amount offered as compensation. That is just a mere simplification of the heading, Chair. Thank you. I think clause 17, clause 18, let's do them together so that if uh, honorable members want to comment on them, uh, we then uh, uh, give them the chance to comment. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the amendment to clause 18 is in respect of clause 18, subclause 2, um, where the reference to bondholder is substituted with mortgagee. Um, this is in line with the general substitution of all references to bondholder in the bowl with a mortgagee for purposes of clarity. So that is clause 18, G. Okay. Honourable members? I'm not sure of Honourable Tring's hand, whether it's legacy or it's new. He has a history of not uh, lowering his head. Honourable Mara? Thanks, Chairperson. Um, uh, I'm happy with the, the change on clause, clause 18 in terms of um, substituting bondholder for mortgagee. My only concern is that is that this clause still doesn't address um, the power, the, the imbalance of power between the, the bank and, and the bondholder. Um, and and the, the input that was done by AgriSA when, when they did written inputs was that... Um, when, when there's an expropriation, it dissolves the rights in the land, but not the contract between the owner and the bank. Um, and that, that obviously then makes market value a very important um, categorization or, or very important area to look at when, when one is looking at the valuation of the property. Um, but I'm just concerned that the bank in this instance has more power than the owner. Um, so just something to look at going forward. But other than that, I'm, I'm in full support of the amendments made. Thank you. Okay, uh, Honourable Thank, Thank you, Chairperson. Pardon me for, for going back, Chairperson, to close 17. Uh, on page 17 in line one, uh, the proposal to omit the heading and to substitute it with the following heading, offenses and fines. 
instead of payment of amount offered as compensation. Uh, Chairperson, can I just get the clarification uh, in terms of the rationale for the change of, of, of this heading? And in terms of clause 18, I agree with the proposed amendments. Thank you, Chairperson. Advocate Van Breda. Yeah, I think there was a reference to um, payment of fines uh, that, that is dealt with in another clause, uh, that is clause 27. Um, the, we simply simplify the heading to clause 17, so it's, it's not changing anything, it's not a substantive uh, amendment chair. Uh, the the heading as it stands is just just a little bit long winded, so just to to simplify it, we we just um, making provision for payment of compensation. Uh, that's all from me, Chair. Class nineteen. Chair Clause 19 of the bill provides for the payment of municipal property rates. Now, Clause 19.1 uh, is substituted and the proposed amendment provides that the expropriating authority must pay outstanding municipal rates, taxes, levies, and other charges out of the compensation money. Um, Chair, the, the amendment to, to subclause 1 is consistent with the, the proposed amendment to clause 12, which provides that the expropriating authority must consider the amount of outstanding municipal property rates when making an offer of just and equitable compensation, meaning that that will be taken into account when quantifying the, the offer. Um, subclause 1 is, of course, subject to to uh, clause 19, subclause 2 of the bill, uh, which provides that the relevant municipal manager must, within 30 days of receiving the notice of expropriation, inform the expropriating authority what the outstanding municipal charges are. Furthermore, and subclause 3 provides that if the expropriated owner or holder has does not dispute the outstanding charges, the expropriating authority may utilize the compensation money to pay the outstanding municipal charges. Um, and also, we can take into consideration clause 19, subclause 4, which provides that should the municipal manager fail to inform the expropriating authority of the outstanding municipal charges, within the 30-day period, the expropriating authority will pay the compensation amount to the expropriated owner or holder without regard to the outstanding municipal property charges. Um, and in which case clause 19.4 paragraph A provides that the registrar of deeds must register the transfer of the expropriated authority property and paragraph B provides that the authority will not be liable to the municipality for the outstanding municipal charges. So, an amendment is also, Jane, and, and just, just quickly to deal with number two here, this is merely um, 
an amendment for just to to apply more um, appropriate language. So that is not a that is not a uh, substantive amendment. Now, an amendment is proposed to paragraph um, C, and that is in subclause four for purpose of, of, of clarity. And the proposed wording, despite the provisions of any other law, and well, basically that's that's omitted. So what, what C provides for now is despite the provisions of any other law, the expropriated owner remains liable to the municipality for rates and other charges levied on the property until the right to possession vests in the expropriating authority in terms of section 8.3 paragraph F or section 9.4. Um, But what, what we've realized is that, let me just gather my, my notes here, that paragraph C, there's, there's an omission that, that we've made in paragraph C. It should also include um, an expropriated holder in accordance with, with, with the, the the, um, the previous subclauses. So we've omitted to to refer to the expropriated holder there in paragraph C, but that is just simply a, an omission which we will correct. So that is clause 19 G. Thank you. Honorable members, uh, clause 19. Honorable grammar. Honorable Fanskalbeck, is it a new hand or a legacy? Okay, on our primary. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, advocates, just on um, three, um, that, that new, the new clause that you're putting in, the new little subsection that you're putting in. I wanted to ask um, whether or not we shouldn't incorporate, we say until the right to possession vests in the expropriating authority. Can we not also say all ownership passes to the expropriating authority, whichever is soonest or whichever comes first? Um, because they might they might take ownership of the property but not possession. Um, and at what point do they then become the, the owner of the municipal charges? So I'm just wondering whether or not we shouldn't include um, ownership as, long, as well as possession. Thank you. Chair, may I respond? Chair? I said yes, you may continue. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Yes, the, uh, the, the proposal in respect of paragraph C is, it's, it's, it's surely a, uh, um, a valid point that's that's raised, and yeah, I think that um, we will definitely take it under consideration um, and discuss this with with the department and the council. Um, I don't know if Pumalele has anything to add. 
Thank you, Advocate. I think just to add only that we, we need to keep in mind that um, the, 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 the context where the date of expropriation and date of possessions um, are clarified in light of vesting in Clause 9. So as, as Advocate Breda has pointed, we must just check if that's not sufficient and if not, just ensure consequentially what we do in regards to the last question that was posed. Um, so I believe it may be fine, but we will still look at it um, and, 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 and come back. Thank you, Chair. Agreed. Let's go to the next class. Clause 21 provides for mediation and determinations by a court. And we are proposing a, a, an amendment to Clause 21, subclause 1, by substituting the reference to uh, expropriated owner or expropriated holder with a with a disputing party. Now, as discussed by the parliamentary advisor, the definition of disputing party includes an owner, holder of a right, and a mortgagee, and an expropriated owner or holder who rejects an offer of compensation from the expropriating authority or whose counteroffer was rejected. Um, a further amendment is proposed to close 21 subclause 7 by substituting the word must with may. So this would then provide the court with, um, with a discretion because there, there was a this, uh, concern raised um, in, in, in our, one of our previous meetings that um, the word must would would um, interfere with, with separation of powers. So that is why we, we substitute in the, uh, the, the word must with may. Um, also, we, we are amending subclause 8. And the existing subclause provides that a dispute on the amount of compensation alone does not preclude the operation of clause 9 being the clause which provides for the vesting and possession of expropriated property. Now, the provision as, as it is currently, in our view, is not consistent with Section 25, subclause, subsection 2B of the Constitution, which provides that expropriation is subject to compensation. So a substitution of subclause 8 is therefore proposed, which reads as follows. Any appeal against the decision of court on the amount of compensation will not prevent the expropriating authority from expropriating for the amount approved or, de or decided unless a court grants an interim interdict based on compelling prospects of success of the appeal. And furthermore, Chair, we're proposing the addition of another subclause, the subclause 9. Uh, which provides that a court may make any order as to costs that it considers just and equitable for proceedings contemplated in subsections two and three. And that, Chair, is Clause 21. Now, members, Clause 21. 
In the absence of hands, I think we all agree with the amendments proposed for Clause 21. Let's go to Clause 22. Okay, clause 22 provides for urgent expropriation and an amendment is proposed to subclause 3, uh, which provides, you'll see that the what's highlighted is, is, is the new insertion. So subclause 3 now provides, should an expropriating authority ex exercise the power referred to in subsection 1, the expropriating authority will be exempted from compliance with the provisions of sections five, six, and seven. But if the property is land, the expropriating authority becomes liable for the municipal property rates, taxes, levies, and similar charges from date of expropriation. And there is a minor amendment proposed to subclause five to provide that a written offer a written offer of compensation must be made as soon as reasonably, reasonably possible, but not later than 30 days. Chair, I think I just jumped the gun, but number two is just a, a minor amendment. It's not substantive. That is just changing of the language, the AG, just to get back to subclause five, uh, which reads that the expropriated authority must make a written offer of compensation to the expropriated owner or expropriated holder of a right. And what we've inserted here is as soon as reasonably possible, but not later than 30 days from the date on which the notice to use the property temporarily was given. And payment must be made as soon as reasonably possible thereafter, provided that in the event of any dispute, section 21 applies. There's also um, further minor amendments to language used in the clause. That's numbers four, five, and six, which are not substantive. And we'll deal now with the proposed addition of subclause 10, which reads that if the property in question is damaged as a result of the performance of an act contemplated in subsection one, the expropriating authority must repair to a reasonable standard or compensate the affected person for that damage after delivery of a written demand by the affected person and without undue delay. And Chair, that is clause 22. Thank you. Thank you, Advocate Van Breda. Honorable members, clause 22. Honorable Grandmother. Thanks, Chairperson. Um, Advocate, just on clause 21, um, I, I still believe that any lack of consensus should halt the um, expropriation um, process. I like, I like the amendment to, to section 8, to that subsection 8. I think it's, I think it's um, a, a step towards what we're trying to achieve. But I do believe that um, compensation is going to be the biggest sticking point on most expropriations and that if there is a lack of consensus that um, we should look at possibly not proceeding with it, it's very difficult to unscramble an egg. Um, so once the, the process has happened, um, I think that the person who's disputing or the disputing party um, will have um, less opportunity or less chance of, of success. Um, and then just with respect to clause 22, 
um, you haven't looked at, at subsection 9 in that clause. And what that, that, that clause says is an expropriating authority may at any time during the temporary use of the property commence with the expropriation of the property and must comply with all relevant provisions of this Act. I do believe that this unfairly loads um, things in favour of the expropriating authority. They're already in possession of the, of the property. It makes it very difficult for, for um, the owner to then um, argue against it or to, you know, to... Um, it, it just leverages um, the expropriation authority better than it does the person who's a property owner. So I still think if we can have a look at that going forward, just to see whether or not that is whether whether or not that clause should remain in effect. I do believe that it should be a de novo application um, from the start, and that they should um, not have possession when they are um, busy applying for permanent expropriation. Thanks very much. Thank you, Chairperson. I would like to uh, to agree with, with the proposals of the amendments made uh, in terms of clauses 21 and uh, clause 22, uh, including the additional clause in, uh, in clause 22 after line 8 on page 20. So I would fully agree with the new proposals that has been made. Thank you very much. Thank you, um, Honorable Van Skalvik. Um, uh, before you respond, um, Advocate Van Brada, um, this process that we're doing today, I think it's a culmination of a number of processes uh, in which as, as honorable members, we dealt with clause by clause and we raised issues um, and that then you coming back here. So as much as we're dealing with this, I, I just hope that we won't bring in uh, trying to push in something that we didn't discuss uh, when we're dealing with clause by clause, saying that uh, why uh, is 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 a certain a subsection is not uh, dealt with here. And, and just to remind honorable members, even then, members would raise an issue and then there would be another member who is not agreeing with that. So it must not be an issue that just because I raised this, then it must appear. Over to you, Advocate Van Breda. Uh, thank you, Chief. Um, the, there were only proposals made that we, we consider uh, certain um, uh, clauses and, and issues that it, it, it uh, issues that, that it may give rise to. So we we will do that and um, we will consider it moving forward. But obviously, it's the prerogative of the committee as to whether it should be included or not. Thank you, Chief. Thank you, uh, um, uh, Advocate Van Breda. Uh, class number 23, uh, uh, I have been hearing a new clause, a new clause, uh, all along, a new clause, a new clause. Okay, class number 23. 
Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, now, clause 23, che, is obviously a, a, you know, we're completely rejecting the, uh, the existing 23 due to all the, the issues that were raised in respect of, of, of that clause, that problematic clause. Um, so the new clause provides for the repurchase of property. And if, if I can just take the, the committee through the clause. So starting with sub clause one, subject to subsection three, the expropriating authority must offer the expropriated property to the expropriated owner or expropriated holder for reacquisition. And before I proceed, Chair, as, as discussed earlier, this, this was um, presented to a to an extent by the department's council in the in their last presentation. Um, they have subsequently come back to us um, where they've made one or two proposals in respect of of this clause, but um, let me just continue, Chair. Um, so as I said that the, the offer, the expropriated, expropriating authority must offer the, the property to the expropriated owner or holder for reacquisition if the expropriating authority did not commence with physical use of the property for the public purpose or public interest for which it was expropriated within the period contemplated in subsection five after the date of expropriation. Chair, the, the department has come back to us um, uh, in the course of this week and, and suggested that the word physical be omitted, that we only refer to the, the word use, because that would be more in, inclusive. Um, because it, it, it would be difficult to define the term physical use. So, and, and we'd rather, and, and rather than limiting the, the, uh, the use to physical use, um, we, we believe that the reference to, to, to only the word use is more general and would therefore in, encapsulate all types of, of uses. And also share the, the, reference to the word use as opposed to physical use is further consistent with section 25 of the constitution just regarding the wording uh, which which provides for uh, the current and the history of the use of a particular property as a factor in determining the amount of compensation for expropriation um, also chair this this new clause um, it's it's what it's doing it's breaking new ground um, it's never been regulated. There's, there's never been a regulation in the country before which provides for the reacquisition of, of expropriated property. So this, this, this clause is obviously just a proposal for the, for the committee to, to consider. Uh, moving on to paragraph B, ceases to use the property for the public purpose or public interest for which it was expropriated within the period contemplated in subsection five after the date of expropriation or no longer 
requires the property for the purpose for which it was expropriated. Moving to subclause two, subsection one will also apply to an expropriating authority where a third party acquires property through the expropriating authority for a public purpose or in the public interest, and the third party satisfies any of the conditions listed in subsection one. Subclause three, this section does not apply to property that has been materially altered after expropriation. Subclause four, despite the provisions of the Prescription Act, any right to reacquire the expropriated property will prescribe after the period contemplated in subsection five from the date of initial expropriation. And then subclause sub five, where property is land, the period referred to in subsections one and four is five years. And paragraph B, any other kind of property, the period referred to in subsection one and four is one year. Subclause six for reacquisition, an expropriated owner or expropriated holder must repay the amount of compensation for the expropriated property at the interest rate determined in terms of section 80, subsection one, paragraph B of the Public Finance, Finance Management Act, reduced by any costs incurred or damages suffered because of the expropriation and the acquisition, including relocation costs. And subclause seven, a property belonging to multiple owners may be reacquired only with the consent of all of them. Subclause eight, chair, if the expropriating authority or another expropriating authority requires the property for a different purpose in terms of legislation, then the relevant expropriating authority must obtain the written consent of the expropriated owner or expropriated holder to use the property for the new purpose or issue a fresh notice under section eight with the necessary changes. And subclause nine, if the expropriated owner or holder repurchases the property in terms of this section, ownership of the property will vest in the formerly expropriated owner or expropriated holder on the date of payment of the repurchase amount. The expropriating authority must issue a notice confirming the repurchase of the property, which it must serve on every person and organ of state on which the notice of expropriation was served. And paragraph C, the registrar of deeds or the registrar of any other office at which such expropriated right was registered or recorded must on receipt of the notice of repurchase, cancel any endorsement made in connection with the expropriation on the title deed and in any official registers. And subclause 10, despite any other law on access to information, an expropriated owner an expropriated holder may request information from the expropriating authority, an organ of state on whose behalf property was expropriated or a third party beneficiary as contemplated in section two, subsection three. About the use of the property since the date of expropriation or be within the period contemplated in section 23, subsection four. And then lastly, subclause 11, the expropriating authority organ of state or third party beneficiary 
referred to in subsection 10 must respond to the request contemplated in subsection 10 within 30 days in writing. And okay, that is clause 23. Chairperson, if I may, with your permission, before the members. Yes. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I thought I should just add um, an input on this new clause. As, as Advocate has pointed out, it's, it's fairly new. There is nowhere else it has been dealt with in our statutes or anywhere else either, maybe possibly just being brought in through jurisprudence. There is a single case that one came across, um, which in the KwaZulu-Natal High Court, they, 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 they did sort of attempt or such a matter was brought before the court where in, uh, in the Richards Bay area, there was an issue against the municipality there where the, the previous owner of the property that was expropriated wanted to have their property back or be given the right of buying first or offering to take the property back. But Chaperson, um, what I want to bring to the committee are some of the challenges and the issues that both the existing one, which was withdrawal of expropriation, sort of had entangled around itself as well as undermining the integrity of the state where questions would be asked, how in the in in in, in, in on earth could the process go on from beginning with all the intricacies that are brought in for the state to make a decision to expropriate and later on find itself in the situation where expropriation must be withdrawn and all the related implications. So basically, Chaperson, from my perspective, what I see, the repurchase of property clause and the withdrawal of expropriation clause, and as they contradict and contrast one another, they are both having issues. And with this one, as we are saying, it was out of the deliberations and the, 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 the discussions between the assisting or the support team of the committee in light of everything that had transpired and the issue of repurchasing or offering the reacquiring of the expropriated property back to the persons that initially owned it. As I said, Chaperson, there are various issues that relate to this, including as we present now, that the, the, the previous owners must all be consulted, the previous owners must give consent. It's gonna be a long process. There are various issues and that is why we are bringing consciously and clearly before the attention of the committee that this provision is breaking new ground. We are not even certain whether in line with the existing policy, because every draft legislation must arise out of a policy, which is the prerogative of the executive. Whether policy is, is already speaking to this issue or because it was never regulated even before, even during the, 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 the legislation from the previous um, system, not the democratic system, 
it's something that's completely new and members must have that at the back of their minds in deliberating and considering the, the usefulness or the necessity of this provision. It is merely, as Chairperson also pointed, a, a, a suggestion, a proposal in light of everything that has happened and the deliberations as they were taking place, both from the public submissions, the public outcry, and the members' concerns themselves. So, Chairperson, we are presenting this merely as a proposal. It's, it's on discussion, and as we say, it's, 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 it's a concept that is not fully, fully fledged. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Um, uh, Honorable Shabalala, Honorable Krayam Mare, Honorable Matibula, Honorable Panskalvik, Clause uh, number 23, yes. Honorable Tring after Honorable Panskalvik. Uh, thank you, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I have a feeling, an uneasy feeling, that this was as a result, if I may say, uh, it's about the devil's advocate, this one, so that you put the spanner or you cast the doubt on whatever that could happen. The reason why I'm saying this, Chairperson, is that I see this thing, this this uh, amendment or this new clause will 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 create the unintended consequences. But I'm also happy that um, the legal advisor has mentioned a a matter. Uh, around KZN. It's it's a given, Chairperson, that most of the land that was purchased uh, for the benefit of the community will find it back to the hands of the previous owner in a certain arrangement. That has been a, a backlash to our policy, a backlash to our uh, a setback to our uh, uh, transformation, I I wouldn't in any given circumstances uh, 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 would like to support this one uh, because I see it uh, uh, leading us to 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 that uh, situation. But also, Chairperson, I think it's very divisive. It it may come with unintended consequences of dividing whether you call it a certain group of people or our communities, I would imagine if the, the group of people, or is it a group of people that have been owning, whether they agree to sell back or not, it's very divisive. But I would imagine a situation where the land at this moment in time has been expropriated. Then down the line, say the lapse of five years uh, because of the court, the litigations and uh, the long process of the law, it finds itself having to be given back to the, to, to, to the owner. 
I think for starters, let us look back and say, what was the, the fundamental reason of what was the main objective of expropriating this land in the first instance? I don't think that it will be people that would have woken up in the morning and decided that this is the land that needs to be expropriated. I, I, this is a collision course between ourselves as, as representatives and our communities. It means we will be moving back and forth. We start the process, but we don't want to start the process. We're giving it back. It defeats the whole purpose. I really, Chairperson, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't uh, support this one. In, in fact, the whole, uh, I, I don't support it. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, yeah, I think um, I think not to, to obviously um, you know conflate issues, but um, one has to bear in mind that the purpose of this expropriation bill is not for land reform purposes. The purpose of this bill is to ensure that government has a mechanism to expropriate property to do its work, um, and that's not necessarily just for land reform. There are other there are other reasons why expropriation takes place. So, for example, if they're going to expropriate for the purposes of building a hospital and your funding falls through or the budget gets reassigned and they no longer need to build the hospital, then they no longer need to own a piece of land that is um, just costing money. So um, I appreciate the fact that there is a sunset clause in this, in this um, new section, which wasn't in place in the past. And I think it provides a very, very um, strong and detailed mechanism for, for the return of property where property is no longer required for the purposes for which it was expropriated. Again, let me reiterate, land reform is a very small part of what the expropriation bill is about because there are land reform mechanisms. This, this bill is to deal with all the other instances where government requires property um, to further its objectives. So um, I think it's an excellent clause and I fully support its inclusion in this bill. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chair. If, if, uh, I'm sure that I'm the next person speaker, Chair. Yes, 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 Honorable Matabula. I, I said in the order that, yeah. No, thank you very much, Chair. I think uh, Honorable Shabalala has put it clear as to the contradictions that this particular clause has. And she even went further to say that uh, we might find ourselves in collusion uh, with our communities as representatives, not only them, but also <clears throat> we might find uh, wanting uh, by the courts of this land. So if we, are, we, we see it that way, I think uh, we should not proceed with a, such a, a controversial clause. Uh, instead, Chair, my view would be to say, let us rather uh, stick with the original clause in terms of uh, clause 23. I think in that particular manner, it will help uh, to allay some of the, the fears, ambiguities, the doubts that we have in relation to this clause. Thank you. 
Honourable Van Skalweg, followed by Honourable Trink. Thank you, Honourable Chairperson. I would align myself uh, with the views of Honourable Matebula as well as Honourable Shabalala, and would particularly uh, zoom into the area of uh, a chairperson where it stipulates did not commence with physical use of the property. And that is uh, uh, the operative words being physical use. When I look at, at those words, chairperson, it can mean many things. In the case of a land restitution, is it erection of the houses on the land for the land restitution beneficiaries? In the case of a housing project, can it be restricted to the actual building of the state houses? In the case of a dam building, is it restricted to the erection of the dam wall? In the case of a tar road, Chairperson, is it referring to the actual construction of the tar road? So what about the planning uh, example, the surveying, all necessary approvals, etc. So that, that is an area of concern for me, Chairperson. And I, I, I feel that uh, it, 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 it is very broad and can lead to a lot of litigation. So therefore, I would strongly support the view that we refer back to the original uh, uh, proposal and not use this major amendment in terms of Clause 23. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Honorable Tring. Uh, yeah, no, thank you, Chair. I think that uh, the the new amended amendment clause uh, 23 is actually progressive. <clears throat> I think if we had this clause in the previous dispensation, that's the apart under the apartheid regime, many of our problems that we're currently sitting with would actually be resolved. Um, it gave no recourse where where government, for whatever reason, um, failed to comply with the reasons for expropriation, and they failed gave reason A, but then applied reason Z, uh, but then applied Z uh, to, to, the, to the application um, of that expropriation. Uh, and so I think this is uh, clearly a protection measure um, that, that needs to be included. And so, so we would agree with its inclusion, Chair. Thank you. Um. Advocate Van Breda, and uh, yeah, over to you. Thank you, Chair. I don't believe there was any real uh, questions um, except for the concern regarding the reference to physical use. Um, as discussed earlier, the department did propose that the word physical be omitted so that uh, use would not be limited. And also it would be difficult to to uh, try to define what physical use would mean. So just referring to the word use, I mean, that would be all encapsulating and um, there would then be no uh, limitation in respect, of, in respect of the word. So other than that, um, I don't believe there were any other further questions, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Um... Uh, Advocate Van Brode, I think this is one of the clauses that we disagree 
uh, as members of this committee. Then let's go to the next clause. Thank you, Chair. We're dealing with clause 25. Um, and this clause provides for uh, extensions of time periods contemplated in the bill. Um, Chair, concerns were raised by uh, committee members that the clause does not make provision for an expropriating authority, uh, which may require an extension of time. So, the clause, the clause, therefore, has been amended to make provision for this, as well as to provide further clarity. Um, and uh, the amended clause reads as follows. Subclause 1, an expropriating authority may extend any period which is applicable to persons mentioned in paragraphs A and B in terms of this act on the written request and on good cause shown. The relevant owner or holder of a right or other interest or affected person for a further period or periods as may be reasonable in the circumstances. Um, I see that there should actually be a semicolon there. Okay, just carrying on here, paragraph B. By another organ of state or functionary for a further period or periods as may be reasonable in the circumstances, but not more than double the original period. That's the original prescribed period. And then subclause two, an expropriating authority may extend any period applicable to itself in terms of this act if A, the owner, holder of a right or interested and affected person agrees to a written request by the expropriating authority or there is good cause for the extension. Subclause three, for the purpose of subsections one and two, good cause may include circumstances where compliance with the provision requires searching for and compiling a large number of documents and compliance with the original period would unreasonably interfere with the activities of the organ of state concerned or would impose an unreasonable burden on the persons contemplated in subsection 1a. B, searching for and compiling information or documents from a source not situated in the same town or city, as may be reasonable in the circumstances, the persons contemplated in subsections 1A and paragraph B and subsection 2, the completion of which cannot reasonably be completed within the original period, and C, consultation among divisions of the organ of state or another organ of state which is necessary and desirable for the purposes of this act, but which cannot reasonably be completed within the original period, or more than one of the circumstances contemplated in paragraphs A, B, and C exist, making compliance with the original period not reasonably possible. And then subclause four, if the expropriating authority extends a period in terms of subsection one, it must notify the requester as soon as reasonably possible, but in any event within 20 days of the outcome of the request and B, in terms of subsection two, it must notify the owner, holder of a right or interested and affected person as soon as reasonably possible, but in any event within 20 days of making the extension. Sub 
Clause five, the notice in terms of subsection four must state the duration of the extension, give adequate reasons for the extension, including the provisions of the act relied upon, and C, if the recipient is a person contemplated in subsection one, paragraph A, draw attention to the provisions of section 21, subsection six. And Chair, that is clause 25. Thank you. Thank you, Advocate Van Prada. Honorable members, clause 25. Chair, nothing from my side. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy with the just stance. Thank you, Honorable. Honourable Matebola, your hand is up, or is it a legacy hand? It's a legacy hand, my apologies. Okay, 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 okay. In the absence he's, of hands... He's joined my history class, Chair. Yes, Honourable? Chair, I'm saying Matebola has joined my history class. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He has definitely done so. In the absence of any hands, uh, I think the... Members agree with the with all the amendments in clause twenty five. Um, next clause. Chair, the next clause we are dealing with is clause twenty seven, uh, which provides for uh, civil offences and fines. And what we are amending is the heading to read um, offences, to provide for offences and fines, as opposed to civil offences and fines, as the clause does not provide for civil offences, but for civil penalties. Um, then clause 27 2G is amended to substitute the reference to a fine with a civil penalty, as the civil court imposing a fine would suggest that the that it is a penalty for a criminal offense. So that that is the reason for, for that omission, that substitution rather. And also we are substituting um, subsection 5G. Well, before I go there, I just wanted to mention that a civil penalty is not a criminal sanction, but an administrative penalty which acts as a deterrence. Um, regarding subclause 5G, um, the substitution now provides that a person who willfully furnishes false or misleading information in any in written instrument which he or she by virtue of this act delivers or causes to be delivered to an expropriating authority is guilty of an offense and liable on condition uh, on conviction to a fine or imprisonment for a period not exceeding three years so that is the imprisonment or rather the the sentence was not provided in, in subclause five, uh, is not provided for in the existing subclause five. Thank you, Chair. That is clause 27.
Um, I thought I thought I I had uh, unmuted. Uh, honourable members, clause twenty-seven is is what about clause twenty-eight? We can't we can't combine the two. I can do so, Chair, if if you wish. I think I think let's do that. Uh, we have even exceeded the time that we were supposed to be in the meeting. Our meeting was supposed to end at twelve. We are now at at. It's it's almost ten past one, but we will continue till we finish. Thank you, Chi. Clause twenty-eight. Now, clause twenty-eight provides for the making of regulations by the minister, and you'll see that the amendments we've actually I haven't highlighted it, um, but. The amendments actually apply to paragraphs A and to D uh, in subclause one. Um, so, which provides that the minister may, by notice in the Gazette, make regulations regarding any matter that may or must be prescribed in terms of this act for its proper implementation, including administrative and procedural matters. Um, I'll just carry on with, with the other paragraphs, but the the only other amendment is to paragraph D. Paragraph B provides that any ancillary or incidental administrative or procedural matter that may be necessary for the proper implementation or administration of this act. C, any notice or document required in terms of this act. And D, any maximum civil penalty as contemplated in section 27.2. And Chair, that is clause 28. Thank you, um, Honourable Members, 27 and 28. Um, Chairperson, I'm happy with both clauses as presented. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honourable um, Grandmare, Honourable Franz Calvey. Chairperson, I'm also in agreement with everything that has been presented. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Honourable Members. Uh, um, Advocate Van Breda, uh, the next clause. Thank you, Chair. The next clause is clause 32, which provides for transitional arrangements and savings. The amendment here is merely a correction. Um, it's a reference error, Chair. So we are substituting the reference to paragraph A with a reference to subsection 1 because uh, the particular clause uh, doesn't have any paragraphs. So that is that is a, a, a small minor amendment, just a reference amendment, Chair. And that's clause 32. Any comments on clause 32? Yes, Chair Mjobo. Yes. Yes, Chair, thanks for the opportunity. I disagree with the formulation uh, I support that, that original formulation because that formulation will, will make the, this act, this appropriation, this one, this, this the new one, will make this expropriation uh, act unfortunate. So 
I prefer the, the original formulation. Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Njobo. Honorable Graham Murray. Sorry, Chair, we were talking about um, Clause 32 that, that Honorable Njobo has just objected to. I just want clarity on that before I respond. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. You need clarity from Advocate Van Breda. No, no, from, from um, Honourable Mjolo, because um, all, all that um, the paragraph A to substitute subsection 1 is merely a correction because it doesn't have a paragraph A. So I'm just wondering why she's objecting to the formulation of that clause, if it's clause 32. Can we, can we, can we first allow the, 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 um, the, 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 maybe to check or maybe members to check the the original document as Honorable Jobo is suggesting. So Thank you, if, yes. Sorry uh, for, for interrupting. Um, may I proceed or did you want to, to add anything, Chair? Okay, let's let's give it to you. Okay, Chair. Now um, the the amendment to clause 32 is, is, is simply a correction, Chair. Um, it, it erroneously refers in subclause 2 to a paragraph A um, being any proceedings for the, for the determination of compensation in consequence of an expropriation contemplated in paragraph A. Clause 32 doesn't consist of any paragraphs, Chair. This is, this is actually, this should be a reference to subclause one so it's it's merely a correction that's that's what it is thank you chair okay thank you, chair that clarifies it for me and um i support the amendment um as to as the thank you honorable your your hand was up or was it also a legacy hand honorable matebula no, Chair, I just wanted to raise what the uh, Honorable Samantha uh, raised in terms of the questions, just to get clarity as to what is happening. Uh, however, I would have aligned myself with what the whip of the committee indicated, if that was not the case, as uh, the legal advisor has indicated. Okay, okay, thank you. Then I think we then go to the title. Uh, which is the last uh, point? Yes, Chi. Um, the there's also a uh, a minor amendment to the long title. Well, I would perhaps consider it minor, but um, where we are simply adding to to the long title that the the purpose of the bill also includes, and I'll highlight it here. Um, where is it? The regulation to regulate the procedure for the expropriation of property for a public purpose or in the public interest, including payment of compensation. So that is the first uh, amendment there. And furthermore, the 
The bill also seeks to repeal the Expropriation Act of 1975. So those are the only amendments to the long title chair. Thank you. I think Chairperson had also added that part he must um, identify certain instances where the provision of no compensation may be just and equitable. That also does uh, bring in a new one. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honourable Members, Honourable uh, Grandmare, Honourable Van um, Chairperson, thank you very much. Um, I support the um, amendment of the long title. Um, I think it does cover everything that's required um, with respect to the Act. Um, and I'd like to take the opportunity to thank the Parliamentary Legal Advisor and Advocate from Brazil um, for the incredible work that they've done in addressing the concerns that have been raised both in the public hearings and in the written submissions on this Act. Um, I do believe that the document that we've been presented with today um, is a, a strong reflection of what what was um, the inputs that were made, um, and I'd like to express our gratitude to them for that. Thank you. Are you still on the title or something else, uh, on her primary? Okay. Um, I was just the item and the rest. Thanks, thanks, Chair. We're still discussing, Madam. Honourable Fanskalve. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I'm also of the opinion that we are still busy with the bill. We've not finalized everything. But in terms of the long title, the uh, proposal that has been made in terms of to the omissions and, and the inclusions, I totally agree with the new proposal that has been presented. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, uh, Honorable Fanskalvik. Um, Honorable Matebula. Uh, Honorable Matebula has joined you, Honorable. Yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm here too. It's the um, link as a head. <laughs> no, it's not the link as a head. Uh, let me support uh, the latter Honorable Member. And on a lighter note, and say that. Uh, uh, Honorable Samantha was about to usurp or take over your powers as a chair. Uh, yeah, that was on a lighter note. Thank you very much. I I I saw that one. That's why I had to ask some questions. Um, thank you, thank you, uh, honorable members, uh, and thank you, um, Advocate Van Brada, Miss Pumalele. But as you have seen, honorable members, on this uh, discussion today's discussion, there are, I hope that they've also highlighted them, there are clauses, paragraphs, in which uh, members of this committee disagreed totally. In some, they would agree, change this and this and this and this. And as such, if we have such a situation, because we're not going to come back and discuss this document, Clause by clause, we will look at the final uh, uh, document, which we will then adopt as this uh, committee. Um, I have made some notes. Um, if you uh, 
you may allow me to go through those notes so that uh, I don't know whether uh, also Shuaib, you have also noted uh, because there, there are there are issues that the, the the members have raised and and almost could not agree on on those. Um, First one, it's a close to. If 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 you may take it up, the what is shown on the screen. Um, I was I was noting this. Is it close? Matizing the issue of uh, uh, the Department of Agricultural Land Reform and Rural Development uh, with what is being uh, uh, said here, disagreeing on the exclusion of the unregistered owner. Um, I hope that also Ms. Melele was noting that, that that is in clause two. I, can, I don't even see this, what is on the screen. And again, on, uh, on clause, uh, I think clause seven, Oh, on, on, on clause uh, two, no, on clause two, there the, the was a view that we, the ANC, that we must revert to the, uh, the previous formulation in the original draft bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then clause seven, I, I, I did write these things down as, as members were, I hope that you had written also, Mr. Shuaib, to assist me. On clause seven, is, is, it, is, is it paragraph three or what? Subparagraph three. I don't know whether it was Honorable Grammare who was raising that one. It is not a and then clause 14, in which there, there was clear indication that there is no agreement. And uh, clause 16, I, I don't know, it's paragraph uh, two, it's, it's subsection three, what? Yeah, subsection three, in which uh, the, the word counter offer and then clause number 23, in which there is total disagreement. Uh, I hope that I have noted them correctly. Uh, Mr. Denzen, can you assist me by confirming these are the clauses that they were, they were, they were serious disagreement on? Yes, Chairperson, and if there are any that you missed, we will... Um... 
also look at the notes that Advocate von Bedar as well as um, our colleague Musingema made. Okay. On, on clause 14, uh, the proposal uh, from uh, Honorable Matebula is that we will revert back to the original formulation in the initial draft bill. And remember, here we were presented with a new clause 14, and also on clause 23, it, it is the same, uh, the same, the same thing. Hoping that I've captured you correctly, uh, honorable members. Honorable Matebula, the one that raised this, uh, have I captured you correctly? Because no, I think the opportunities, they, 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 are, they, are, they are significant. And as such, we would need to, on this, uh, a vote for them. Yes, you did capture me correctly, my honorable chair. Thank you. Okay, okay, thank you, thank you. I, I, I don't want it to be seen that I, I, I just wrote my own notes. Um, honorable members, there are, there are these uh, uh, clauses uh, on what our parliamentary legal services and, and the, state, the Office of the Chief State Law Advisor brought to us. Um, but the, the final say, uh, honorable members, would come to you as, as the portfolio committee for the, the, the draft that will go to parliament, uh, us having adopted that and looked at it. After all what we have gone through um, listening to the people of South Africa, um, through public hearings, through written submissions, through oral presentations, and, and, and our legal services advising us uh, uh, on, on all this. And as such, uh, because we have this, I then uh, propose that we then uh, vote on this uh, clause that, that I have picked up. Um, and then all those that um, are saying we, all those that are saying what the legal services are presenting to us, we must take it as they are. I will count here the honorable members on the on the. On this platform, the hands, can I then, uh, all the, what the legal services was proposing to us, uh, we must take it as it is. Chairperson, if I may, yes. um, we were not advised that there was going to be any voting on any of the clauses today, um, so we certainly haven't prepared for that. Um, may, I, may I request that, that the voting on the clauses be um, submitted to the next meeting? Sir President, may I, uh, with your permission, say, uh, say that uh, I don't agree with the Honourable Member. It is procedural that once we have dealt with the bill uh, as a committee, 
at, at this particular final stage, you've got to vote. And we must as well uh, remember, Chair, that uh, we are already late. We have delayed in terms of uh, dealing with this bill. We can't afford another day, another week. Our people want to know what is happening with the issue of this bill. So hence my reason to say I don't agree with that. If uh, voting is voting, uh, you have nothing to prepare when you have to vote because you are also giving us, in fact, you are reading us options uh, to say that uh, do we agree with the, you know, what the legal uh, team has presented. And I'm sure that we're going to others whether we agree with this and that and that. So there's no need for one to go and consult and caucus and do whatsoever. We must just proceed with voting chair. Thank you very much. Honorable Matebula, I think I think honourable members, uh, uh, I indicated earlier on when it was clear that uh, there were there were clear uh, disagreements on what was being proposed uh, by the legal services. I I indicated that then we would have then have to go to the issue of uh, voting. Uh, so that so we, we, we don't uh, find ourselves uh, saying that uh, as much as we have disagreed with this, but in the final uh, document, we find out that all those things that we are not agreeing with, they are back in the final documentation that has to be taken to the parliament. So I think, I think that is why then we will then have to, to subject this portfolio committee a true e-voting process. So at uh, the document that is going to come up, uh, having inserted all the clauses that you need to be inserted, having uh, taken out, reverted to an original clause, if it needs to be, then that needs to be done. We, we, we have to do that, uh, honorable members. Uh, then can we can we then continue on that one, uh, I, I asked that saying that uh, the, all these uh, um, amendments that are being proposed by our legal services uh, um, those that are saying that we must uh, take them as they are can then they show their hands in the in the platform, so that I can I can see that they are agreeing with all that has been presented. Chairperson, yes, Honourable Francis Chair, I'm 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 not uh, sure whether I understand you correctly, because there there are some clauses which we agreed upon and some that we haven't agreed upon. So um, it would be extremely difficult at this stage to just raise our hands if we agree on all clauses. I think uh, 
What I would suggest is that uh, surely it has been uh, noted all the clauses okay. that we've agreed upon and those that we objected and raised contrary views upon. I, I, I am not sure how best, uh, fortunately, I'm the, not the chairperson of the committee to give direction in this regard. But if you would uh, understand my concern in this regard, thank okay. you, Chair. No, I, I note your concern. I, I think uh, it's even my my, my, my case, uh, this one, because I'm saying all the clauses. There are clauses that I've lifted uh, in which there are there are serious uh, disagreements. It's, it's, it's mainly clause for others. It's just a, a paragraph or a line, but mainly clause 14 and clause 23, uh, in which there are major um, some members to the clause as it was in the original expropriation draft bill, uh, some members are saying that we must take the new clause as it is proposed by legal services. Okay, let me just focus on those two. I hope that uh, Honorable Franz Kalveg, you are covered now. Chairperson, I, I, I think not quite because I didn't capture uh, all the inputs that has been made by, by all the members. And I am not sure whether it would be to our disadvantage or advantage at this point to, to proceed with the voting process. I'm just thinking, Chair, would it not be safer for us to allow the, the, the A-list to be be, be clear, uh, cleaned and uh, printed and 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 it be availed to us to look at the final version before we we vote on it i'm 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 just cautious in 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 this uh, matter chairperson but you'll guide us thank you uh Honorable Franz Kalveik, uh, I hear your proposal, but is there anyone who is in support of your proposal? Chair, I support the proposal. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Honorable Graham Mare. Uh, is there any uh, counter proposal to this that first we this must be cleaned? Um, uh, by the by the by the legal services, and also they must highlight these two because the reality is that on these two clauses, clause fourteen and clause twenty three, there is serious disagreement amongst the members, and highlight especially those clauses, clause fourteen and clause twenty three. Is there any counter proposal on this? Honorable members. Uh, there is a there, there, there is no counter 
proposal on this. We we just deferring uh, this issue. Uh, I would have hoped that we 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 finish today the issue of society. We wait for the document to be presented to us, and then we adopt the document. But it means we still have to come back again uh, with this. Um, I don't know whether Ms. Martinez is here. Um, uh, we have we have amended our this court has program several times. I really don't know. Ms. Martinez, can you advise us maybe when can we meet? Yes, Chairperson. Um, the proposal by honorable members is correct because the process of the bill, please excuse my voice, I'm catching a bit of flu. The, the process of the bill requires the committee to go through the cleaned up A list, which would have been printed through CREDA, which is exactly what we're going to coordinate going forward after this meeting. After the, after the cleaned up version, um, which is the A list, would have been printed, the committee would then have to sit again and consider all the clauses. And I guess that's where chairperson, the voting will then have to ensue. And this is now uh, before the actual report of the of the committee on the bill would be considered and adopted. So, Chair, coming back to your question about the program of the committee, next week on Tuesday, we had planned to have a capacity building session with the Office of the AG. And following that, the Wednesday of the same week, we would have a briefing by the DPWI on the progress regarding the Telecom Towers building project and the Parliamentary Villages uh, Refurbishment Project. And the last week of this term, Chair, would have been the committee strategy planning session on a Wednesday. So I'm not sure if Chairperson, the committee would want us to um, schedule a meeting, perhaps on a Friday morning uh, in one of these uh, three weeks that are left, actually two, in one of those two weeks that are left, that are left um, so that we can then see how best we can um, expedite the process of printing the A, the, the A bill which would have been printed through CREDA, then reverted back to members of parliament or members of the committee to then consider and um, adopt at the end of the day. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, uh, Ms. Ma Martinez, uh, for that uh, explanation. Um, I think we would uh, we should take the, the, the that day of order general uh, because we we can't uh, continuously uh, postpone this bill. Uh, everyone is looking at us as this portfolio committee to finalize this. So next week Tuesday we will be dealing um, with 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 the. With this bill, yeah, I think I think we must just put it like that. Uh, but on Wednesday, we will have to deal with uh, that report that we requested uh, from the department on the issue of the parliamentary villages. It's also another issue that we cannot postpone. So, honourable members, uh, let me again appreciate your robust debate. And, and I believe all those that have been watching this, uh, then they definitely are proud to have members 
from your political parties representing you by you who are discussing and advancing uh, what you have been sent to do here. It, it is upon us as this portfolio committee to ensure that this bill, uh, which we all know that one of its agenda is to transform on how we deal with the issue of the property as in the constitution of our country and again to repeal the Expropriation Act of 1975. That is very, very, very crucial. I think it is also indicated uh, here. We, we appreciate what has been done by the legal services, parliamentary legal services, um, the um, Office of the Chief State Law Advice. Uh, we know that uh, the the department's legal services assisted uh, earlier on when there were issues and queries that were raised. We really appreciate all the work that has been done so far. We hope that on Tuesday we will finalize uh, everything. Thank you again, honorable members, for your robust debates. And on Tuesday we are back again, hoping that every member will be here. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Recording stopped. Thank you, Chair and the members. Goodbye. <clears throat>